Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for the Thursday afternoon just before Friday, and I am up just for Monday morning podcast. <laughs> I almost got myself confused there. Maybe because I'm excited about my guest. I'm just checking in on you. I have an amazingly backlit guest this week. <laughs> Where am I? Uh, I'm trying to find yeah. the sun. Check me out. Yeah, yeah. There's all <laughs> kinds of stuff from uh, Echo Brain and some other band you might have heard of, Metallica, the one and only Jason Newstead. What's going Ooh. on, man? Bill Burr, it's good to see your face. Thanks for having me, bud. Yeah, it's good to see. You. I haven't seen you since I think San Francisco. No, was it San Francisco? Yeah. I think uh, our boys came down from the chop house and we hung out with you and went out to dinner and stuff at a time. That's right. That's okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure yeah, if it's yeah. that one weird time I ran into you in Paris. <laughs> oh, that on your birthday. On your, yeah, I I your, turned your 50th birthday. And right? you bought me some drinks. You were very yes. nice. Yeah. And you weren't really drinking then, but you still got convinced to do it. And you and uh, Nia came over and met us at that, that club real late. Yeah. And drinks and stuff. It was fun. That man. was right before... I quit drinking. That was June. I quit drinking in November. Yeah. I haven't drank since, and I'm not going to lie to you. I miss it. Yeah. Being sober sucks. It's good. <laughs> it's, it's good for the kids, but, dude. Yeah, I'm sure. Taking, taking life in the face every day yeah. and not being able to just be like, you know what? I'm going to alter my experience. It's like, nope, I just have to sit here, sit here and take it. But that's not why... We're talking today. We're talking today because I can't believe this. This is making me old as hell. <laughs> it is. We're coming up on, or I think it might have just happened, the yep, 30th yep. anniversary of the release of the Metallica self-titled. Is it Black Album? People call yeah. it Black Album, but it's just called Metallica, right? Right. Yeah. Just mm -hmm. right. Yep. 30 it's years, man. Metallica. You know, I was looking yeah. at then That's on all the all-time lists. That's like one of those back in black, Michael Jackson thriller, Eagles greatest hits. It just That's never right. goes off the charts. And yeah, uh, truly. Well, when you were making it, did you when you guys were making I know these are old questions, but when you were making that thing, going from Injustice for All, you know, and mm. then to that, mm. you know, were you sitting there going like, are we making a big mistake here? Is this like, <laughs> Ooh, you know, cause there was hundreds of shows in between that time, right? In between we released justice and we got around to making the black album, hundreds right. of shows all around the world, 40 or something countries and doing our thing and really building the following. That was the big time to build the following because justice hit so successfully right. yeah, and one by one and back that was before inner tube or any of that stuff. So we had yeah. one person at a time, take the music to the people in the flesh the way it should be no screens in between us and them just the direct connection the real i know i hate that yeah they even dude. do that at sporting events it like take get rid of the class clown in your section because everybody's staring at the uh at the screen so yeah. um, i feel fortunate i feel really fortunate to have been a part of that thing as we were spearheading you know, and going to a lot of places that Maiden and ACDC had already been, but they really paved the path or at least cut the jungle down for us to get to the next place. You know what I'm saying? We really did that after them. We got to give credit as things go chronologically, but they really was, made it. But what was your big like uh, place that either you, you always wanted to play or all of a sudden one night you were there and you never even dreamed of playing there because it was it was so big. Did you have any of those? <laughs> Uh, I think early on, man, the Rose Bowl, when we did Monsters of Rock in 1988, right, with Van Halen headline. Oh, it's, 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 it's okay, Bill goes, Van Halen, Scorpions, Dokken. 
Metallica, Kingdom Come from, from the top down. So we're wow. on, we come on after Kingdom Come at three o'clock in the afternoon. It's 112 in the fucking shade, you know, and there's already 60,000 people inside the bowl. And the thing, as soon as we came on, it flushed like a turlet, man. Everybody came down from the seats onto the floor and then lit, took all the seats off the floor and threw them up at the, uh, they passed them over their heads in bunches. We had to stop in the middle of whiplash and throw all the chairs to get down. There was a giant pile behind the stage, like a pyre, you know, getting ready to burn this big pile of all those metal chairs. But they would come up in sections of four and you'd see them fly over people's heads and people get knocked and try to catch them in that. And then it's overwhelming all the guards in between the stage and the, and the you know, the, the guard there, man. So finally, uh, we're stand, standing back and watching the crowd do this. They get done. They give us the green light again. We go right back out and whatever it was, third verse of Whiplash, and one, two, three, right where we left off. <laughs> and, 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 and so they had by that time cleared the space for them to do what they wanted to do. So there was 60,000, whatever it would have been on the floor, maybe 50,000 on the floor, uh, on the field, as it mm -hmm. were. And pits were six or 800 people at a time, five or six pits across the whole field, just, just madness. It was being invented and pioneered, you know. And what, what, what kind of, uh, was it scary? Was it amazing? Like, what, what are you thinking when you're standing there? You're worried like, oh, no, our fans are, are destroying this. Is this going to affect future shows? Or are you just sort of standing there like a bystander? Like, how do you keep playing the song while you're watching that, staying focused? Like, is that chair coming at me? Right. There's the thing. So you know how the term you had has to be on a swivel? You know, and there's with with police officers or football players, hockey players, wrestlers. I mean, anybody. I mean, anybody in life, right? You got to right. drive it. Head got to be on a swivel. Well, it's like that to the umph. You know, like you you got because you the main thing about playing successfully in an ensemble is knowing what's coming next. Right. You know, you got to know there, and then that's the verse and where you are, and boom, boom, boom. You do thirty songs over two and a half hours, and they all got to be just like that and not miss a fucking note. You know, you got to know what's coming. So that's all going on as you're demand or whatever your role and then you got all this other shit happening hey there's some boobs hey there's some blood hey there's some <laughs> bones points sticking out <laughs> like that so you really got to keep your mind in the game dude yeah a lot. while you're playing an odd oh, time yeah. so much of that album was at least yes. it could have been in four sure. four sure yeah man and you gotta yeah you gotta really be paying attention there and there's only a few times really that we ever stop stop the show and usually that was when one of us was harmed that's unreal. Well, I yeah. got to tell you something about your that the the uh, the Metallica album is. There's certain albums that ever since the '80s and the '90s, when I was going to the gym, mm -hmm. or if I was sitting down playing at a kit or whatever, you could just hit play from the beginning and go all the way to the end, and it would get you through your workout. It'd get you through your drive. You didn't have to, you know, make a playlist. Mm -hmm. And it was literally like ACDC, Back in Black. Mm -hmm. you know appetite and your album it was just one of those things that was the perfect level of uh i don't know what i don't know like i that's what fa it fascinates me you know when you said you wanted to do this and i started looking at the albums that were on that list and you mm -hmm. start thinking like what is it about those things and uh i know that musicians probably sit there and they look at those lists and think we need to obviously, you know, who doesn't want to write an album like that? Is there, 
Is there a way to go for that? Or is, does it just magically happen? You're like, oh shit, it's still selling 10 years later. It's still on the charts and like, like many elements, you know, first of all, we're going to give credit to Lars uh, for being so into, I mean, absorbed, um, engulfed in the whole thing and the sequencing of the record and the sequencing of all the metallic albums as they've come out and the sequencing has become more developed and better and better. Like the mm -hmm. second song has to be that and the seventh song has to be that and so and so. And that's why it's appealing, like you're talking about, and listenable in that way because of his meticulous you know, attention paid to that. Um, and still to this day, he is that guy. And so that credit should be there first. Um, and going back to what was like, did we know what was happening when it was happening? Um, we had a lot of momentum built up. And like we were mentioning before, those hundreds of shows and stuff and building the fan base uh, and uh, Justice being so successful and then kind of building, building, building on that. We knew there was a lot at stake and sort of the powers that be and the management and so forth. And everybody threw a whole bunch of money into it. So we know that when that much money is invested, that there's something, a big chance of something really happening because people are going to put all the puzzle pieces in place and set us up for success. If we're able to knock that shit down show by show and make people want to come back and wanting more, then we do our part. We knew that everybody else and their roles and all those roles that there are, we are very familiar with in your business. So many different people from the guy that sells the record to the guy that helps us make the record, the crew guys, everybody in between, all those people doing their job to the- right best of their ability to make it successful. So all those elements got to kind of line up for that part of the, 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 that side of it to come up with the product and be ready to present the product. Then you have right. to have the thing about the demographic. And like you're speaking of the albums that came like black back, back in black was 1980. Right. So you, right. you were talking about records that came in 1991. Uh, there was appetite and, uh, and um, a sound garden record and Nirvana and, and Metallica. Well, appetite was 87. Okay, so '87, and then the and the big year that came up was didn't Guns N' Roses do their other double record and Nirvana, Soundgarden, yeah. all that released in three months. James time. had their they had yes. that ritual there you uh, go. in 1990, which for me that's the all the ones that that's right. as far as far as that new sort of because I didn't even consider them like grunge or whatever. Like just that album is another one that I feel just like you just put it on, you hit play, and then like. You know, what? anytime I have, like, music has played such a huge part of my life anytime, especially, you know, I got a drive I got to get through or a flight I want to get through, and I don't want to have to keep looking down. So uh, there's yeah. those albums that you just uh, keep going back to. But yeah. um, almost almost part of your conditioning in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, know, you know you can rely on something in that way, and you go back to it because a lot of things you can't. So that, that kind of mentality, I think that. Yeah, that you helps. go back to where you were, what yeah. car you were driving. Yeah, sure. Oh, dude, man. You, you Always. Know, I, like the, the, what I call the memory money. You know, I don't mm -hmm. want to say, like, there's certain bands of style, now they're nostalgia acts, they're called. Yeah. Right? But there's certain bands, if you're around long enough, 30 years is the mark that I would usually call, maybe it could be 25, that you're able to play for generation after generation. There's a few generations coming to see your, your band, you know, so that's always a big secret. Uh, not a secret necessarily, but some part of the success that's a really important uh, key that people coming keep coming back to it. But something I want to touch on really important, like you were saying there, in, in your business, if you're with your F is for family stuff, with the other things you've done through time, with your, your uh, comedy slugging it out five nights a week doing your shows like we do our shows, um, anyone in show business or an author or something like that, 
you've got to find your audience. That's it. That's the one number one thing. Then everything else can happen after that. But you well, got to ask you how, how did you because how I ended up finding my audience was not caring about getting an audience and just oh. more just like doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. And just being more like, all right, this is what I, I do. You either like it or you don't. And I'm just going to keep doing this until enough people like it that I can fill up whatever, wherever the heck I'm going. And um, the hard part of my career was early on when I was like, what do they want? What are they looking for? And I was almost like in the crowd looking at me. And I'll, this is the shirt you want to wear. This, huh. is, this is what uh, the industry's buying right now. And I always tell like younger comics about that going like, you know, it's sort of the short game. And it's yeah. also the greatest way to get outside of what you have to say because you're yeah. not you anymore. You're almost doing like, like an acting job. And I always wanted to put like guys like you, the band that you were in, like, you know, that stuff was, you know, really, I mean, it, it was, it was, you know, the, the, as much as they were talking about metal, it was really hair metal, which was really just pop music. Yeah. Um, so much of that. And what you guys did, I mean, I gotta be honest with you, like what you guys did was too hard for me until <laughs> the Metallica, my brothers were into that shit going, come on, man, you got to learn how to play double bass. And I'm like, ah, I like the Bonham shit. And they were mad at him. Get a double pedal. And I wouldn't do it. And I missed out on all of you guys. I didn't see all of you guys until the 2000s. But then that was the album. Then I worked my way back, um, you know, through Metallica's like uh, catalog. But I, I always wondered like, you know, or I got to say I was envious of when you sit there and you say, you know, you got to go out and get the crowd. Like as a comic, it's it's a fun feeling to turn a crowd around and get them into you. But I, I, I was always wondering, you know, what that was like as a band, that as a group, you're like a platoon, like we're gonna take this hill and you get that that enjoyment like uh, afterwards. Like, you know, if, if, I, if I went a crowd over, I could come off stage, it's, it's like a, it's just me. I don't get to go over to somebody else like, you know, I don't have that moment in the show where somebody else in the band looks at me like, fuck this. We're getting these guys. Like, I remember hearing a story one time of, uh, I think Simon Wright, when he was playing for ACDC at nights when, you know, they were kind of tired. He said he would look up and Angus would just be looking at him. Like, mm -hmm. come on, man, let's do this. And I was, yeah. I got like, I got literally like a rush of adrenaline. <laughs> you mentioned trying to keep up with the Angus dude. <laughs> Fuck, man. I know. Oh, geez. You dude, know, he that... used to have like, it looked like a, sh like he was standing in a shower. Like he would be playing and would just be no pouring doubt. off. No doubt. Pouring off his uh, his his um his forearm. So Just what what exactly like what is the packaging? Is there a special packaging here for the thirtieth anniversary? As far as like um what we're promoting here today? Oh well, yeah, they they did the black box thing, and it had all kinds of. I mean, there's so much archives. You know, we recorded everything and proper cameras and proper through all of time and photographed everything. There's so much to dig from. And once again, go back to Lars. He's so good at the archiving archiving of things. Uh, that helps out a lot when they're digging for that. So there's a lot of cool things there. Um, I did want to touch on what you're talking about there, though. It's, I think it's important uh, the difference between being in an ensemble or being on your own. You know, it's like. Uh, the best uh, athletes. So Jordan, who gets the ball when there's three seconds left? The dude that can fucking shoot and has the highest percentage. So, you know, if he misses, it's like he's hanging his head. Wah, wah, wah. If, he, if he hits it, he's the king of the world. And right. so when, they, you know, when, you're by, when you're by yourself and doing your own thing, if the show don't go so great, then you're the one that has to take that brunt. 
And if it goes great, you take the glory and the shine and it pats on the back. When it's the team, you know, the team takes the hit and the team takes the glory. So it's different. You share, you share in the anguish and or the pride. Right. Yeah. What's the biggest uh, triumph you've had as a musician as far as like, like the, your, your uh, I mean, you can, I don't want to act like, you know, you know, every year you have like that show where you're like, oh man, that sure. was the, that was the one. But it, mm -hmm. what, what are, what are some of the ones that stand out during the different phases, you know, Echo Brain, Metallica, all of that stuff. Like mm -hmm. what, uh, what are some of the ones that if you're sitting on your back porch, you just think of like, man, I was, I was fucking good that night. <laughs> or, or that, or once again, you know, that, that, yeah, the individual one or the team one, you know, and I think I probably remember team ones more than I remember individual performances. So the ones that have been glorified over time and sensationalized, like the big Russian shows and that stuff, not unforgettable, of course, quite well documented, but there's other ones that are personally huge uh, for us as a unit. Um, Day on the Green in Oakland, October 12 of 91. Okay, that was Bill Graham's last proper show that he put on, period. Um, right. that, that's a big goddamn deal in the Bay Area, man. You know, right. he, took a, he took a chance on Metallica back in 82, 3, 4, or whatever that was, you know, and then they came back home to headline that thing. After we'd been on the road for the Black Album a couple months, we just started firing on all cylinders. MTV came there with 19 freaking cameras and did their thing and recorded it nice, and it sounded so killer on the TV. And I remember playing a big uh, Olympic six-string bass with it, you know, the string on the top, big as round as your fucking <laughs> finger, like big old <laughs> telephone cable on that fucker, right, but tuned down for sad but true so it goes roar, roar, roar. and just taking yeah. people's freaking fillings <laughs> out man you can see you can see their sternums you know like come flying up onto the stage they're standing next to the bass bins in the front right just getting destroyed man but we <laughs> we were we were hitting right then with such precision and the uh momentum and like the what do you call it we're um levitating mm -hmm. as a, in a way you know there was right. so so much success and every day there was another report on how how much radio was playing nothing else matters or some of these things that we had never ever experienced as far as exposure for our kind of music you know so there's what the was that like how how excited did the um the james and all that guy with with all of those guys were they excited like it just seems like some a lot of times when i just watch stuff about that band it just seems like it's work 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 i was wondering if they ever picked their head up and were like hey man look what we did here this is this is amazing a not uh not a lot of time to look up and say look what you did or the accomplishment it took a while till after everything settled and you can look back at it but as it's happening the days were very long and very demanding and so you know that you just can't imagine like yeah, man, you learn how to play bass. You spent all that time learning how to play drums. You took that time. Now you can go up and you can remember stuff together and rock some shit. Okay, now all of a sudden that where it used to fill up 97% of the demand. Now that's about that much over here. You know, you still got to keep your chops together, right? But the other 45% is filled up with videos and uh, interviews and the things and the things and the things and all the things that you never, you knew about some, some of it. But some uh -huh. of it, there's no way to predict at all because once again, it was kind of being invented in a certain way for this style and stuff. So we were taking the, once again. How the, did you keep uh, your, your, you know, your wits about you? Because I can get pretty grumpy mm -hmm. when 
when mm. it, it it gets to the point of like guys like i the number one thing i'm here for is to do a fucking show right and these people paid all of this money and i need to i need to destroy tonight and if i'm yep. gonna be you know going here and then going there and then do a quick thing here and uh you know nowadays the big thing is you know can you make a video can you make a video saying you know now that you tweeted it you instagrammed it you did all of that shit can you then make an, a video on top of that just to like uh it's like you're signing everything in triplicate except it's right. like like content um like those are the days where you know i i you know I don't know. I I really just go like, what the fuck, man? I'm I'm. It's almost better when no one knew who I was. I could just sit in the <laughs> the condo and stare at the wall and think about jokes. <laughs> I, I that's true. I I feel that very much. And in, in that time, I think we all probably did. Um, it was there was so much going on though, and such a schedule, and so many shows coming in at being added on each time some new country put us on their radio that never would play heavy music before. So all of a sudden they're government or whatever invites us to play see if it's an islamic nation or something like that and they wouldn't let white westernized music in there the white devil's in and all of a sudden right. they know that they can make a whole bunch of money off us though they invite us anyway type of stuff things start happening like that you know and nobody wants to be the weak link you know right. nobody wants to be the weak one on the stage everybody has their own way to keep yourself up you're asking like how do you keep your shit together because it's it's not just one person trying to keep your thing together remember your jokes remember your program and stuff it's Elbow to elbow, plane, train, automobile, um, a lot of a lot of uh, substances and a lot of crazy <laughs> shit going on and all the other things that, that make the stories, you know, but a lot of the behind the scenes that don't make the stories uh, also where you really got to be patient with each other because you know what's at stake. So an awful lot there to, because it's really yeah, great. You can't blow you up know? the band. Yeah, and, and you want and you want everything to keep going as it is because that's what I've been working so hard for is the success, attention. The reason we do what we do, Bill, is to, to show off, right? Come on now. Right? Fill so a we void do. for me. <laughs> yeah, well, both, both though. There's <laughs> elements of both now. Come on, man. Come on. Oh, right? no, there definitely is. Great. All right, everybody. It's Liquid IV, or as my dumbass just called it, Liquid 4. Liquid IV. Uh, cooler weather. Makes it easier to miss signs of de dehydration like overheating or perspiration, which means it's even more important to keep your body properly hydrated. Flu season is in full swing. Proper hydration and vitamins can help support a strong immune system. Making hydration a priority helps us feel healthier on a day-to-day -day basis and fuels us to be our, uh, our highest potential. One stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. Not only that, but the product tastes great with flavors like watermelon, strawberry, and lemon lime. Are you going to be enjoying a few extra drinks now that the holidays are approaching? This is what you need. Having liquid IV in the house has been great. I'm never worried about being able to get myself back to 100 if I'm feeling a little sluggish. Liquid IV hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. Contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and has as much potassium as a banana. Healthier than a sugary sports drink. Yeah, those things are the worst. No artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than apple an apple pie. Made with ingredients, less sugar than an apple, than an apple. Sorry, not an apple pie. I was like, what the fuck kind of claim is that? Less sugar than an apple. Sorry. Made with clean ingredients, no GMO, vegan, 
and free of gluten, dairy, and soy. Grab your favorite liquid IV flavors nationwide at Walmart, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code BURR, B-U-R-R, at checkout. This is a great way to stay healthy and not put on extra pounds. That's 25% off anything you order when you get better hydration today using promo code BURR at liquidiv.com. Okay, oh, look at me. One of my favorites here, Thompson Cigars. I love a cigar. Um, It's a great way to just kick back, relax, reflect on your life. Great conversation, and they're absolutely delicious. That's why you got to check out Thompson Cigar. Whether you're working from home or just kicking back after a week of being essential, there's no better way to relax than with a premium cigar. They've got the best prices on the biggest brands in the business, from Macanudo to Monte Cristo. Looking to try a new, rare, top-rated blends, but you don't want to splurge on a box? Check out Thompson's Cigar Tour, a smattering of five different blends delivered to your doorstep each month. In Thompson's five-pack fever program, they have the largest selection of samplers online with the option to build your own or choose from over 300 different five-pack options to mix and match. They also send out insane cigar deals with personalized email preference options so you can sign up to receive them all or just the days you feel like reading emails. Thompson Cigar Company continues to be the number one choice for premium cigars in the USA because they deliver the very best customer service. Um... Oh, I had one of their cigar samplers that they sent me, uh, one of the My Fathers I'm now into. And then they also send me, uh, you know, the ones that I love. Uh, I like the, uh, Jesus Christ, whatever, the Auroras. Uh, so sit back and take a break from all the craziness with the cigar from Thompson Cigar Company. These guys rarely do offers. But right now, Thompson is offering our listeners 15% off orders over $75 or 25% orders uh, of over $99. Great for the holiday season if your old man smokes or your buddies do. To take advantage of these incredible savings, simply go to thompsoncigar.com and use the promo code BURR, B-U-R-R, when you are ready to check out. That website is Thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, cigar.com, and use the promo code BURR. That's it, everybody. Uh, have a wonderful holiday season as we move into Thanksgiving. Hey, here's something, um, you know, remember when you were back in school, when you were a kid and you had your first base and you remember like not paying attention in class because all you were doing was thinking about going home and playing your bass. You know, Absolutely. for me, that was like drums or going out and playing sports or some shit. Mm-hmm. And um, there were a couple of times, you know, where out here I was going to sit in with the band and then there was like rehearsal and everything. And mm-hmm. I all of a sudden, like my drums became like work. Like, ah, fuck, I got to go down there and we got to do this three times. And it starts to become that. I was wondering during that touring, like, it, was there any sort of ritual you did with you and your bass to keep the excitement? It's like, it's almost like when a comedian, when you're sick of all your jokes. And you go up there like going like, oh, my God, if I have to hear my fucking voice saying this stupid idea, how are these people still laughing at this? Like to play, you know, like you guys were playing, you know, 300 friggin shows a year. Like, how did you keep the excitement of like 
still feeling like, you know, it was like magic. Having an instrument was magic when you were a kid. Sure. And first plugging in and hearing that. How mm -hmm. do you stay connected with that and it doesn't become like time to make the donuts? Thinking about like, what if I just moved into a Winnebago and just kept all this tour money and I never <laughs> I just smoked wow. weed and I played bass in the back yeah. of my fucking Winnebago. Wow, that's a good thought. Um there are definitely times that uh how many takes you did of Inner Sandman during a week because of the American Music Awards and the Top of the Pops and the Thing of the Thing and then the regular shows too. Um, you know, trying to stay on top of it, you still feel good and strong about uh, executing it and presenting it to the people. So it has a lot to do with the adrenaline flow where everything could get pretty numb. Your leg could be broken and you're still gonna go and play because the jam is on. Once right. the intro tape, once the intro tape comes on, and that shit dude, yeah. that adrenaline dude, <laughs> everything is lit up. I, I could, I could, you know, what, what two marathons would you like me to run right now? That's you know, awesome. it's very much that thing. So it kind of becomes a huge pain reliever and a numbing device. And then there's always the favorite songs. There's still a few that come along every third song or whatever that are such a challenge to play, no matter how many thousands of times you played them. Right. They're just like, you've got to be on your toes. And it's a thing where, fuck, man, I can do this. Like an athlete, very much like yeah. an athlete. So you're, and, you're in the moment. You're no, in, yes. in those. Yeah, not hard, what, to, so what, not hard to rise to it. Not hard to rise to it. What are your uh, what were some of your favorites? The, the ones that you were like, oh shit, this is coming next. I love this one. Battery is always it. Okay, so if even if we play Fight Fire and, <laughs> and that, but battery is still it because of the background vocal and because I matched every fucking thing that the guitars are playing on bass. All of it. Yeah, the Steve Harris, the Steve yeah, Harris but, philosophy. With the, pick, with the pick thing, you know, instead yeah. and following James and all that kind of stuff, which, yeah, that that's uh, the pride of the execution and being able not to miss anything on such a challenging number is like a little shiny part of the crown, you know. Nice. I actually, you know, been I, I got back and I went on a, a Clive Burr, yeah you know hi-hats <laughs> just spun down just listening to him and like uh really just like I, i'm kind of like i love iron maiden and i and i love both drummers and i love that the band sounds different mm -hmm. you can hear the difference in both of them which because they have like these strong personalities sure. so i was listening to that and I, for the first time i always knew steve harris was amazing but that was the first time i just was really listening and it was like listening to all of those bass lines it was never playing off for the most part what the guitar was doing it was like what are you doing all right i'm doing that too mm -hmm. and i'm just gonna add and it's just added this this density mm -hmm. you know uh to what they were doing and and um I, I i don't know just something about you bringing up battery of having to do that i never thought about that like if you're playing with your fingers you can go faster and if you if you got like the pick Mm -hmm. And then you got those those telephone cables, as you say, that you got to yeah. keep up with that. So how did that like, uh, I don't know, how do you even, even like, like the first time you're playing that live, mm -hmm. you, uh, you got to be going like, okay, here it is. Stay relaxed. You wouldn't be here if you couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's for sure. 80, That's right. Right. Only yes, 80,000 yes. people. Yeah. It's only being filmed. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Try not to think too much about that, I guess. But um, you know how you maybe want to have 
the end of your show as strong as the beginning of your show, certain jokes that you know are going to be a home run. Yes. And you put, and you're, so you finish as strong as you started. That was always one of my inner mantras, as it were, uh, to be as strong at the end for the last 10 minutes as I was for the first 10. And so pacing yourself through the songs. And once again, Lars' sequencing live helped with that. Um, but battery was usually at the very end. And so I had to save up that last bit, like leave every single oh, wow. bit on the stage, every single bit I got. Like you talk about Angus with the flow of sweat. Yeah, you know, I, I will. I will put up a, a competitive uh, uh, hat in the ring or whatever like that. If, in that in that situation for the, that particular thing, for sure. What do you really, think would be harder to to start with it or because to start with it, you're ice cold, kind of. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you got to play at that speed. There's a chance you would like tense up, or is it harder, you know, to have played? I don't know how long you guys play—a couple hours—and right. then all of a sudden it's like, all right, now that we've done this full workout and a half, now you're going to sprint, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> the last seven miles. Right, and it always changed too. You know, a lot of the time for the early years, it would always start with creeping death a lot and those kind of things. So it was kind of a mid-tempo-ish, uh, bombastic deal. Um, but then sometimes it would start with black and or something. So you had to be right, right from the get go, right out of the gate, Foo! you right. know? So there's, I think starting mid tempo and by the second or third song, you're kicking fast. That's cool. You know, but when Lars put the, when Lars, sorry, when Lars put together those sets, did, are, are there scheduled breaks? Like, Hey, let's give oh. our forums a break and play like, mm -hmm. uh, nothing else matters. You know, <laughs> that's just kind of yeah. slow it down here. Everybody, you know? work the kinks out and then we'll start thrashing again. Yeah. I think it was centered around uh, James's vocal thing and being able to give him a rest for certain songs and stuff. So a bass solo, guitar solo, these things where he could go and sit for a minute or I would take a vocal for four minute song or five minute song. And then he'd be able to get that seven minutes of rest in his throat there and nine minutes rest in his throat there. So if he had three or four of those through the set, he could make it through no problem, but it was always based around the vocal. And keeping that athleticism, you know, keeping it fresh and stuff. Yeah. And that's one of the things, too. Like, I always hate when people will say, oh, you know, we can't hit those notes anymore. It's like, you, you, you can't hit, nobody can hit the notes anymore. It's yes. just like your, your voice naturally gets lower, and this guy is singing live. I'm not saying people say it about James. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm talking about like singers. Like, Robert Plant used to get shit for that. Sure. And it's like, he doesn't sound like he does on the album. It's like, dude, the guy's doing like 200, fuck, he's doing the immigrant song 200 shows a year. Right. You know, it's like, you know, cut the guy a little bit of uh, a little bit of slack. But um, right. yeah, and the track that you're listening to from the immigrant song original recording, he was 22 or some shit. You know what I, I mean? Know. So he had all that gold in there, in there and then way before whatever abuse and the other things that went down. And I think, you know, the, the charisma and the years and the thing and the age and the voice for someone like Robert Plant now is even more beautiful and attractive and appealing and cool to listen to i also like that he just you know? aged naturally yes dude you know yes, what i mean he yes. looks fucking great like that's a yes. big thing with me like you know i'm vain i try to keep myself in shape but uh you know in this business you know i think one of your big goals is to try to look like a human being when you come out the other side <laughs> as, no doubt as yeah, opposed to uh some of the shit that i've uh yeah some of the stuff that you see you're like oh my god they get like that cat face you know what i mean it's like are oh, you no. trying to look like a lion like they get all this filler <laughs> in here and they kind of, 
like, I don't even know. They almost they're creating like a new race, the Botox race. Oh my or something. God, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, those uh, of our pals, you and me both, that really went for the accelerated lifestyle uh, approach. Yeah. Um, and now that they're even, the calendar says the same thing for them, but the flesh don't. You know, it's like, yeah. oh boy. Some there's something, you know, there's something to be said. You know, as I've got, I'm old now. I was just thinking about as far as just like picking your poison. The mm -hmm. only, the only, it, it's like I don't mind if someone's just blowing, just doing their thing, if they're happy. But it's when they're out of control that's when it's hard to look at. But some people who are just like, look, man, I like eating burgers and smoking cigarettes, and that's what the fuck I like to do, and have a couple right. glasses of wine. It's just like, you know, if that makes you happy, like. You know, you don't need to live those extra whatever years, you know, on a diet being fucking miserable. Like you, you take like 60, 62 fun years over 85 being like, eh. yeah, no doubt. well, what's the, is there any salt on those Brussels sprouts? Because my doctor <laughs> said, <laughs> yeah, there, there's a line, right? You want to look out for yourself, but you also want to live. So it's, uh, yeah, it's tough. And especially when you're out doing what we do. And getting around yeah. and everything you know yeah it's a little bit you more what i do is i just i try to i try to uh i try to pick some new stupid skill to learn how to do and yeah. i just i focus on or something that i'll get into like uh you know dean dean del rey he's really into these mid-century houses and i've just he mm -hmm. just kind of got me into architecture so i'll just look at that instead of uh going down to the hotel bar and be an idiot an idiot but i do know that when I start, when I'm overworked, that's when I start having these fantasies of selling everything I own. Somehow mm -hmm. I sell everything I own, but I get to keep my house and everything in it. In the, it's a fantasy. And I just sit on, I'm sitting on the back porch and I never really talk to anybody ever again. Like I start <laughs> thinking, <laughs> not like, I mean, my friends I do, but I just sort yeah. of just fade away. And I used to think like, like, oh, am I losing or whatever? And I kind of realized after a while, it's like, oh, Bill, this is your brain saying it's tired. And why don't you take yeah. like take a week vacation and make yourself miss telling jokes or something like that? So, yeah. I mean, but we don't tour the way you guys do. I mean, what's your record as far as like longest tour? Like then Justice for Alto, you said was what, two and a half years long? Yeah, but but the black record was the longest one. It, it covered 91 through 93. So it was continuous. So I think in that middle year there, I might have been home for 11 days or 13 days or something. What do you do with mail? <laughs> like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, usually you just have, well, the, the management uh, in uh, San Francisco just gets everything. They just get loaded. Their offices just get loaded with shit. You know, it, when, okay, we're, when, so we're gone, you, when we're gone, you know, yeah, when we're gone. So you spent three years on the road. Mm-hmm. You're doing the last show of the tour. Uh -huh. Is there any melancholy or is it like, oh, my God, I got to get the fuck out of here. I can't do this again. The depth of the exhaustion <laughs> is a place that you, you know, any kind of like proper reasoning skills. I just stuff. love how you said that the depth of the exhaustion i felt the weight of that wow um, you can re be able to reason you know like if, should we go to to the louvre and see the the painting that is you know da, 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 or these things are Mona Lisa or whatever that fun like 
actually, I'd like to get three hours of sleep since I haven't slept since Tuesday, and now it's Friday. Um, I should probably. Mona Lisa will still be there when we come back. I got a good feeling. Overrated, so, by the way. <laughs> no, that's about this big. Overrated, so, and then no and doubt. then there's five thousand people standing in front of it yeah, with yeah. their stupid fucking right. phones. Right. And nobody's saying anything. That's the only thing I saw in the Louvre. I went right to it. Yep. I'm like, yeah, I saw it. And then I went right to a bar and just yep. started getting shit faced. And I had way more, way more fun doing that. The first time that we went to see that in the 80s, though, it wasn't like that. And it wasn't behind all layers of plexiglass and you couldn't get within 15 feet and all that. You could actually get up on it. So that was I mean, I'm glad I did that at that time. But you understand what I'm saying. And you've had to do that certainly, too. But there is that time where you get when you get to the end, like that, like we did. I think that one was Fourth uh, of July, um, Werther, Belgium, and we had just done one of the coolest shows. As question from a little bit ago, um, back then, Pink Pop and uh, the Werther Festival were already way steps ahead uh, in the thinking of diversity of the bill and the right. amount, the different genres that were going to be there to entertain the crowd and the um, broader listening uh, practices of the people in the crowd that came to see all that. If it's good music, it's good music. Right. Period. Right. So it started out as Bob Mould's Sugar, and it was uh, um, Faith No More and um, Lenny Kravitz. And it was when he was firing, bro, you know, like really, right. really good, man. This, oh, he still had those dreads and watching from the side of the stage. And you met that old. Uh, Hendrix footage and Bob Marley footage where the dreadlocks are going. It's like that, like animated. It becomes yeah. like an animated thing, but you're seeing it with your eyes like this. That was fantastic. And then Neil Young played before us. Dude, what the fuck is that? All like, as far he should have went after, as far as we're concerned, especially from the Bay Area and all that thing. That's like, yeah. you can't, what the hell have you been thinking? Like with that, yeah. no, I mean, there's nobody really. Well, you know that. I don't think right. the crowd would have. Right. They would have well, been no, like, right, 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 right. But yeah. the, yes, and we had to play by that, certainly, because the record was hitting big and it was a gigantic thing. And the 55,000 people that are there or whatever were certainly a lot of them to see Metallica. But <clears throat> he kind of put he, out one of his best he, albums, Harvest Moon, right around then. Was that what he was playing? Oh, my God. Yeah, I think that was. And and uh, uh, and his and his backing band was Booker T and the MGs. Okay. So still when Duck Dunn is still playing bass. And I mean, the, the, the baddest motherfuckers that there ever was laying the shit down live. Steve Cropper, you know what who, I mean? Who played the, drums on that? Do you remember who was in his band uh, on his drummer? Whatever, no, I don't. But that's the, it was the, the MG's drummer, whatever. I'm sorry. I don't know his name. Um, but anyway. Well, so Al the, Jackson was the original oh, guy. He, he got murdered. Yeah, it wasn't Al Jackson. No, no. And no. I remember Steve Jordan would sit in with them every once in a while. Whoever it was, I know was a killer drummer. And they got to keep up with it. But the, the thing that always got me was that this particular uh, stage was a big one. And I always, you know, I got my workout in for sure. Every show. And if I, yeah, if they would have had the goddamn Fitbit on me back then, the thing would have exploded. <laughs> um, so they go from the edge of the PA over here on the riser to the edge of the PA on the riser over here, it's 150 feet. So a football field. And then, I mean, three, how was it? 150 is that right? 150 feet. Okay, that's fair enough. Mm -hmm. 150 feet. Um, and so we would go, you know, I'd, how many times can I go from end to end during the show and get all up on the thing and um, the habit trail and the steps and all the shit up on there by the drums and everything. Uh, so we had all that room to take up. But Neil and his boys, when they came on before us, they brought out their, you know, their uh, hippie rugs and they set yeah. up in a, in a sit in about a, 
shoot, man, 30, 40 square foot space, man, about like this, whatever they could fit on the rugs is how much room they took up. Right. Mm -hmm. And the expanse of the stage going that way and the expanse of the stage going that way open and they crushed us. They killed us. You know that I, I was like, Oh, you know, the thing about follow that, follow that motherfucker type of thing. That's, that's all I could feel trying to follow that because of the purity of it. And like the good music factor, Neil, the crowd, no, they responded to him like crazy. Oh, wow. But when he, because he was playing electric. So he brought that old, that black Les Paul out that never can stay in tune and just fucking how he gets into that lean and step, it just goes (laughs) like trancing out, man. And they would just trance it, man, for like seven or 10 minutes. It was untouchable. Yeah, we still came back with our bombs and all our shit, but I don't think it was as good as Neil. You know, but just the diversity we shot of off the flames. Show. We did what we had to do. <laughs> we do we had to do, and the kids liked it. But I don't think it was as good as the guys before us. Anyway, hey, was- you brought up uh, Bill Graham, and there yes. was a what was what was that guy like? What was it like to me? I mean, the guy was a Vietnam War vet. He just was like. I remember there was there was footage. I can't find it. There was this footage. I think that it was a documentary about him at the Fillmore in San Francisco. And I remember it was a farewell to the something or other. And this one guy from one band wanted to play it and he didn't get put on the bill. So he goes down to Bill Graham and tries to get on the bill. And when Bill Graham's just like, listen, man, there's just not room. And then the guy goes, well, you know, man, well, you know, then I guess, you know, Fuck off and thanks for the memories, man. And then Bill Graham just fucking snaps. Just yes. snaps like, what the fuck did you just say to me? And you see the look on the guy's face like, well, I just ended my music career. Yes. Um, and I was just like seeing the look of horror on that guy's face as he tried to still be a man, but back down what he just said. Yes. I was like, wow, this like to, like the level of power before the internet that promoters had yes. to make or break you, what was when you're going to meet that guy? Like, and just the hands, I mean, if I ever shook his hand, you know, we were still alive, I'd be like, this hand shook Jimmy's hand. Mm-hmm. This, this hand, you know, shook Jim Morrison's hand. This hand, like all of those, everybody, this hand mm-hmm. shook everybody's hand. Signed the magic. Check. Signed the check for Hendrix type of thing. Yeah. 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 What was it like when, when, when you... uh intimidating intimidating yeah yeah but but um you're always really i remember being just on your best behavior he would come and say hi before especially the show we spoke of came say hey boys you know that kind of thing give us a smile and give us a thumbs up and that but a very serious individual when you are a pioneer and you're inventing it ain't no fucker can tell you that you did it wrong Mm -hmm. you know i did that first well you did it wrong oh really Right. (laughs) That kind of thing. So if you already got that in your quiver as your first arrow type of thing, what I'm saying. So the, and, and there had been some, I I would, could let the other guys explain it to you. James had a real run in with him in the early days. And so his thing with Metallica, when they finally rose and got somewhere, he was actually extra proud because of the trouble he had with them earlier. So by the time that we got to somewhere, it was intimidating to be with him, but we were respectful of each other. He was respectful. Do you remember, uh, are you free to talk about what the run-in was? Was it he was too loud for the band, you know, going on after? Was it a... 
Uh, from what I what I know, it was an early show. I think it was like '85, and they were Phil Morish, must have been Phil Moore West, uh, and uh, San Francisco, and something with a mic stand that James threw a mic stand in the crowd, hurt somebody, did something, and then perhaps got, uh, you know, what do you call that, uh, insubordinate or something with uh, with Bill about it. So like, is that oh, the right, yeah, yeah. Is that the right word? Like where he, you know, would you know. like like dismissive or something with Bill afterwards because he was really drunk and he's a punk ass kid full of himself and he's got his Ride the Lightning album out and everybody's kissing his butt at the moment and he doesn't know any better and he had 13 cursed lights by the time he got to talk to the man after he threw the mic stand and hit the kid in the head. What lawsuit, <laughs> what lawsuit's going to come from it and all the other shit that lines up in our business, Bill, that never, ever stops. All right. The, the depositions and stuff, dude, it's just like craziness, man, through time for real. Is that well? Well, fortunately, I don't do any of that type of stuff in my show. I just say, well, eventually, you know, it'll it'll happen. Somebody will freak out about some stupid joke, and I guess you'll have some sort of case or whatever. But um, there's anyway, uh, um, winding down here. Like you moved uh, away from where you were at. How I don't want to say where you're at, but like because uh, I, you know, living in L.A., you know, mm -hmm. when you were telling me you were kind of getting out of the hustle and the bustle, you know. My kids are locked into the school systems here, but there's definitely days, you know, those days when I think about just sitting on the porch and not talking to anybody ever again, like there's days that I think, uh, and, and I think, you know, like, man, Jason moved, uh, <laughs> that kind of sounds like, I'm just seeing those trees and shit. Yeah. It seems quiet. I mean, it must be great for your creativity and the, the music you're working on now. Um, now that you are where you are, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to talk around this. Uh, <laughs> you look happy as hell, and I'm happy for you. That's what I'm trying Thank to you. say. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate that. And things are going quite well. We had a great jam uh, today, um, nice and loud and free, like we did. You know, no, no plan, just fucking beautiful noise. So we did that for. A oh, couple I gotta hours. tell people how I met you. I was yeah, in the writers' room. F is for family. I can't remember if you sent an email or something. And you were like, yeah, hey, it's Jason, man. I heard you play drums. I like your comedy. We should get together and jam. And I was just like, yeah, man. That's, yeah. And then, like, he's like, well, I'm going to be down there next week. And I was like, all right. And you, and where we were, you picked, uh, was it SIR? Or as yeah. I called it, yeah. Sir? Because I'm not hello, in the business. Sir. I called it, Sir. SIR uh, rehearsals. And I just show up, and there you are. I was like, oh, my God. Hey, how are you? And then you proceeded to just play original um, riffs that you had. Yeah. And that was it was such an eye opening thing to me of how much I sucked on drums because wow. I didn't realize that all of these times when I would be jamming on songs, they were songs that everybody knew. And the drummer came up with the track already. So I had the answers to the test. Yes. Yeah, all of a sudden you started playing. I was just like, uh, boom, crack, boom, crack, boom, crack. I, I think it was great. Do. I thought it was awesome. I really did. Oh, I did too. I mean, I was, uh, I, cu I couldn't, uh, I remember trying to tell, you know, my brothers who wanted to get me the double pedal. I was like, you're not going to believe this, who I jammed with today. They're like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that very much. No, I'll I tell just, you, I, know what, what is funny about your guys' music is the, the, the fucking level, like with thrash music and shit, how much 
Like if people are into it, like they are just like, I will die for this music. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was playing, um, I had a gig in Boston and it was a, it was a big fucking place. So I rented some drums and my brothers came into town and we all got down and we started jamming and you know, the security was listening, like whatever, whatever, whatever. And then we played a Slayer song. Mm-hmm. I forget what one we played a Slayer song. And the second we played it, this, this fucking security guard way up, like two levels up, just goes, Slayer! And like <laughs> freaked out. <laughs> then we played a few more. Nobody gave a shit. Right. And then we did a Metallica song. And, the, and then another guy yelled out the name of the song. And then all of a sudden, like the whole security, like they just were looking at us like we were a bunch of dorks. But after we played a Slayer and a Metallica, they were like, that was good, man. That sounded good. You're all right on track. All right, you want them over. You want them over with the right selections. Well, you know, I think it's, I think they, uh, because of, I think when all of those bands hit and what you guys went through and how it was an underground thing and there was so many people saying to people that were listening to it, like, you're listening to this shit? What is this? The fact that, the fact that then the Metallica album came at the end, they were all vindicated. Like, I told you this was a great band. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a ridiculous sense. honor to have you on this podcast talking about one of the great uh rock what greatest rock albums of all time i can't believe it's been 30 years it's crazy. uh are there any more of those black box things left or did fans just gobble them up yeah they sold out in the first i don't know how many hours or whatever but i don't know if they're going to print more or what's going to happen with it but uh yeah it's i, I it's nutty it really is nutty let me tell you just a couple of things that blew blew me away with uh, its resurgence as it were when it first came out in Germany, Enter Sandman went as high as number two. It mm-hmm. never got higher. And then three weeks ago or whatever, when it came back on the radio, it went to a number one 30 years later. So this kind of, I mean, what Crazy. the... That's pretty hard to get a hold of. But I want to tell you that I had a couple of names for the band, and I told you our band our band our our power duo oh um and uh yeah look out black keys <laughs> yeah exactly so the, so the beginning when we when we first played i don't know if you remember or not i i was calling it uh jaybirds right j-b-u-r-r-d-s jaybirds right J-Birds. but then yeah but since that time i've thought a little bit more about it and so i've taken four your four letters i take four letters from my name so bursted right appendix bursted appendix that's the name of our band <laughs> Because appendix doesn't just mean bursted appendix. Listening to me play drums is as fun as a bursted (laughs) appendix, which I had. I had alone when I was a kid. That's going to be the tagline on the T-shirt. This this music is as fun as dot, dot, dot on the back. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And it'll have a picture of you on your drums. I am. I. I think I have a, a gig or something in 2022. If you're not on the road uh, in your area, so uh, I would love to hang. I have, feel like I haven't seen. I feel like I haven't seen anybody in forever. So um, I'm hoping that's going to work out. But if it doesn't, I know that you're on the road doing what you love to do. So either way, it's going to be awesome. So thank Appreciate you so much for coming on and talking you. about you know one of the great albums greatest albums of all time and uh i hope to see you soon all right yeah thanks bill we're gonna come and see you in west palm and then we'll probably see you up in new york later too oh nice good deal good deal all right the great jason newstead thank you brother metallica 30 years 30 years anniversary uh get your copy to keep it on the charts and have a great weekend (laughs) you cunts and i'll talk to you on monday 
We got the uh, the BetMGM um, picks of the week for you football fans coming up next. What's up, everybody? We are back for another NFL edition of the MG BetMGM, which, as you know by now, guys, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines, the best lines, to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up uh, <clears throat> for BetMGM yet, Use bonus code BURR, that's B-U-R-R, and you'll get $200 free after placing your first $10 bet. Here's how it works. Very simple. You download the BetMGM app, you sign up using bonus code BURR, that's B-U-R-R, place your first $10 Moneyline bet at any NFL game. Okay? Any NFL game, you'll receive $200 in free bets immediately after placing your bet, regardless of the outcome. So basically, BetMGM is saying, sign up and get the app, and here's 200 bucks. Go have fun, okay? Just make sure you use bonus code BURR, B-U-R-R, to sign up. Now, but I have to start off by saying, congratulating uh, my, my partner here, Mr. Burr, for doing the unimaginable, for the, we have our first unimaginable you know, we've had our first unforget, uh, unforgivable. Uh, unfortunately, I was on the wrong side of that. And now <laughs> you're on the wrong side of history, Paul. We, now we have our first uh, unimaginable bill going for, uh, 4-0. But I got to give Bill more credit. Not only did the kid go 4-0 and come roaring back like the two-time Jimmy the Greek champion that he is, taking the lead now by two games, I believe, or two and a half with the tie. But then the kid calls a fumble from Chicago to the Steelers. And I'm in my car driving home from a gig and I'm listening and I'm going, man, I know we got two out of the three things. Steelers still need to win. We got three out of the four. And then all of a sudden I hear, oh, we fumbled it. It is picked up and Pittsburgh has it. And I was like fucking Ray Liotta in the shower in Goodfellas. (laughs) Those son of a bitches. I was so happy. So, Bill, big Yeah, we've picked two Monday night specials in a row. What are the podcasts? We're literally, Paul, putting money in their pocket. And I'll tell you this. I was at Hey, if you went with me this week, I went 4-0 on my picks, and I wanted that Pats game. That was 5-0, which you picked, and two Monday night specials. Yeah, we're we're making— Now what you got to do, you got to lay off me. Because how long can this streak last? <laughs> I, it really is a game of runs. But I got to tell you something, Bill, touching on what you just said. I was at Skankfest in Houston, which, by the way, man, what they created, what, what they created is so incredible. But people were coming up to me in the streets, literally coming up to me in the streets going, dude, you guys doing that, you guys doing that bed MGM thing is like brought me and my dad together again. We haven't even, one guy was like, yeah, dude, we just sit down and we literally go with what you guys pick. And like the last two Monday night specials. So, uh, you know, maybe that's hilarious. Me and my dad haven't spoken in years. What brought you back together? Gambling. (laughs) Hey, Paul, you know, whatever works, you know, I think maybe we're on some cutting edge level of therapy. You know, some people are taking, you know, low dosages of mushrooms and, uh, you know, uh, Molly, whatever the kids call it. And, yeah. uh, you know, who knew? You could say stone sober and just be a degenerate gambler. Who knew? And all of a sudden you're like, Dad. 
I won money on the Chiefs. I remember my first Chief game. You took me there. So the standings as they are, people were asked last week, uh, just double check the tally, reviewed every pick. It's 18, Paul's 18 and 18. Bill was 20, 15 and one. Look at that. Look at us. Both of us at 500 or above against the spread. We're not doing that bullshit money line that all those other sports teams. We're, we're doing the real thing, Paul. We're getting yeah. our hands dirty. Yes, that's true. We're messing with our kids' futures here, Paul. Yep, because a lot of those NFL analysts on TV, the professionals, they go money line. No, money no we're not. Who do you think is going to win? The fucking Bills or the Jets? Bills yeah. at home. I mean, come on. What are we doing here, Paul? Yeah. Let's get some yeah. fucking. Let's be. People want the real world, Paul. They want so the independent candidate that dresses like them. Think about you this. Know? Yeah, think about this for a second. This doesn't happen. Not some hair plug cunt out there picking the money line, Paul. They want a couple of bald bastards picking against the spread. <laughs> and winning. And fucking winning. And winning. And fucking winning. winning. What's the worst you got right now? You even? The worst I've been is even. All of these guys fucking flapping their arms around going, I'm picking you winners. Paul, we're in November. We're already yeah. in the holiday season. Hollywood, ho fucking Halloween, Halloween's in the fucking rearview mirror. We got Thanksgiving coming up. We are a combined 38 and what? No, so we both picked 36. 38 and like 33 or something like that. Well, I need you to step it up. What's the, what's 36 times two? 72. So we've 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 picked 72 games and we are above. We are 500 or above, dude. And actually, minus four because we went head-to-head. -head. So, minus four. So, 68 games, and we're above. So, dude, we are – so, guys, Rod – like, You know, something, Paul, I actually – earlier this year when you fucking would give me your the reason why Jacksonville was going to lose, I got into an emotional place, and I took Jacksonville. So, I lost that. So, you're one in four. You're one okay. in four head-to-head -head against me. Okay. Okay. Well – all I'm saying is, our listeners, you need to ride this anything better money train, okay? You need to ride this fucking money train all the way to fucking... Paul, let's hedge our bets now. We've been doing so well. Who knows? Maybe maybe they bet the fucking... Don't pass bar, whatever, the pass bar, those cunts who... Are you going to bet against the shooter, or are you coming along for the ride? Who would have thought? <laughs> who would have thought that two comedians doing a podcast where we fuck around with sports... I mean, Paul, who am I? Top? Who am I? Who are we? Who are we? Who, who are we? <laughs> who are we? We are at the top of the sports gambling world in the NFL. Take that, ESPN. We're coming for you. Take that, everybody. Uh, you money line fucking pussies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Chiefs <laughs> might squeeze this one out. Yeah, I got a good feeling about the fucking... Get the fuck out of here. Bet against the money line or shut your fucking Anderson little suit wearing ass up. All now, right. That brings Let's us to week number nine. And uh, it is a giant, by the way, is an odd number, which means uh, the birthday boy goes first. Okay. I got to tell you, Paul, this, this fucking week feels like 2 a.m. at a bar. What am I going home with? Who do you <laughs> like, Paul? Uh, hold on. I got to get these lines here. He texted them. All right. So. Actually, I know what the, I know the first game I'm going to pick as I look for this because I liked it all week. I liked it all week. I'm going to go out. I'm going to say right here, and I'm sorry, Kansas City fans. Okay, I'm sorry. If it's over, the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs 
there is either this is what happened either someone with the cover two with the safeties did something somebody's hurt something is off something is off we've seen it enough okay my new york giants had a lot of people out and almost pulled that off they did not look good <clears throat> they did not beat the packers by enough without aaron Rodgers. i am taking the las vegas raiders by the way it is my homecoming theory. The Raiders lost to my Giants. <clears throat> now they are coming home, and they are two-and-a-half-point dogs at home. See, Paul, that you fucked yourself on that theory. Why? You just said they're coming home. You didn't say they're a good team coming home. No, the Raiders. The Raiders. I know, but you, you, you said, I said a good team coming home, and then when that guy fucking debunked your theory. Well, they are still you had that. You had a meltdown, Paul. <laughs> there are a few games over five. There are a few games over five hundred. I don't believe in the Chiefs. I think the Raiders come home to Vegas and beat the Chiefs, uh, and getting two and a half. That's my first. But I just game. want to clarify your homecoming. It's not just a homecoming. You say a good team, a good coming team. off a road loss. That's right. That's right. Look at me looking out for you, Paul. That's right. You know Who what you are I? looking at. Who am I? <laughs> All right. Um, Inexplicably, the fucking Jacksonville Jaguars won a game last week against the Bills. Does this mean they go on a run, Paul? Or does this mean that this is just their fucking highlight of the year? I say it's their highlight of the year. The Colts are at home. They're scoring points like fucking, uh, like, like fucking uh, uh, Dominique Wilson. Wilkins, back in the fucking day. I had to have an obscure reference there. Uh, I'm going to take the Colts, given 10 and a half against the fucking Jaguars. You know... I think that uh, my pretty pony quarterback, I think he's not going to do too well there. They're going to be brushing his hair by the fucking second quarter. Am I jealous of his hair? Yes, I am. I've taken the Colts and Carson Wentz. Mine is 10 and a half at home. That's a good – dude, I love that you're taking points. You don't – I mean, Bill's just taking – going after points this year. I love it. Bill, Bill is fucking swinging in the dark. He has no idea. I hate this week, Paul. Yeah. Uh, I hate this week like I hate a third show on Saturday. Go ahead. You know, I don't know. There's a couple of tough ones here, dude. There, there's a lot of points this week. I feel like this is like a turning point in the season for teams. I mean, look at this. Minus 10, minus 7.5, minus 8.5, minus Yeah, they're 30. still staying with those big fucking spreads. I was surprised. There's a lot like of with the Bills. I couldn't believe the Bills are like, you know – I know they lost to the Jaguars, but it's like fucking, what are they, 13, 15? That's just a lot of points in a division rivalry. Yeah, Jets are getting 13 against the Bills. Is it in Buffalo? Uh, no, it's in New York or Jersey. All right. Can a Giants fan take the Jets, Paul? This is a tough game. I don't know why I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it because the line is low. But I'm going to ride the train. I'm going to take the Patriots at home against the Browns. You motherfucker. You can't do that to me two weeks in a row, you fucking asshole. Oh, you want? <laughs> you fucking asshole. Where the fuck do you get off? I don't pick the fucking Giants, you cunt. I knew I should have picked them first. Oh, I'm going to go out of them. Bill Belichick in November. Go fuck yourself. You motherfucker. Two fucking weeks in a row. You call yourself a friend? Uh, you, I didn't know you you cared about you that. You call yourself a friend? Two weeks in a row, you take my pets? Come on. 
What do you mean, come on? Paul Versey swinging in the dark, desperate for a victory, jumps on the Bill Belichick, Mac Jones train. No. You fucking, I had the you're first a cherry picker. No, you cherry picking son not, of a bitch. That's not There's fair. a reason you're wearing yellow this no, week. No, no, Pick your no, fucking no, Giants. No, Pick no, your no. Giants. I picked the Raiders first. You had a chance. You picked the Colts. You could have taken a Oh, pack. I thought you were a gentleman. You wouldn't do it two weeks in a row. I guess I was wrong. Oh, so now I can't pick your team. I mean, I don't care if you pick the Giants. Why would you? They stink. You fucking asshole. Minus two at home against the Browns who have fallen apart. Jesus, Paul. Walk up to the buffet table and fill up your plate, why don't you? It's a great pick. You fucking dirty bastard. What do I, I got to pick the Patriots first every week now. Paul's on the Pats train. I picked this the second time I ever taken them the whole year. Paul, it's it's becoming a habit with you. This is the only second time I only taken them once. You took them twice. No, now this is two. You know, you need a victory. That's what it is. Paul's desperate. That's a desperate move. Oh, Paulie, you win some, you lose some. Oh, 500. You fucking bastard. All right. Uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. All right, I'm taking Seattle on the road versus Green Bay. Russell Wilson's coming back. Sneaky Pete's going to go in there. I just feel like they're they're more organized. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. I like I always like him at home, but there's just something about I don't know, earlier this year he was unhappy with how the whole franchise was running. And I thought he was making a great point that like a mom and pop organization, I don't even know who makes the decisions over there. This isn't against Aaron Rodgers, but uh, I do think the added distraction of his, uh, you know, what COVID bullshit. I just, I just, I like Seattle plus three and a half, getting three and a half points. I love Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf and sneaky Pete. I think he's a great coach and he's a better coach than whatever the fuck Green Bay has. Should I take that head-to-head? Paul, I don't give a fuck what you do after you took my pats twice in a row. What a fucking goddammit. Um, you sneaky bastard. You goddamn sneak. I'm going to take the... Apartment, Paul. I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans minus three at home against the New Orleans Saints. Now I got, now I got to go look for another fucking game that I've never won on a, on a difficult week. Do you know what it's like, Paul? I'm, I'm watching the Pats, and I'm also thinking Paul's getting a victory here. Why would you do that to me? Bill, you could have picked them first. You picked the Colts. Paul, Paul, that's – Paul, you could have not picked them two weeks in a row. Oh, my – so I should – so so you, 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 you should have been a gentleman. Oh, we're doing a – Paul, you know what you're doing, Paul. Oh, my God. Paul, there's unwritten rules. There's unwritten rules in this shit. I got to watch – now I'm watching my team – Rooting for them and rooting for a fucking guy that's going to get a victory in our head-to-head. I see. I don't. Obviously, you take it more. Well, I, I have to break that down for you. No, I get what you're saying, but like that's not. I come over your house. You got to spread out, and I double dip right in front of your wife and kids. That's okay. Your family. What kind of world are you living in? Your 
Bam. You're double dipping, Paul. You're double dipping. You're sticking your chip in after you had it in your mouth two weeks in a fucking row. In the guacamole, too. The favorite dip of everybody. The Patriots in November. There's a reason you're wearing yellow this week. That's all. Uh, that's a cowardly fucky. Paul's flailing. What's wrong? All right, I'm going to take Kyler Murray coming back. They're at home. They're playing the hapless Carolina Panthers, who are trying to erase. They're trying to erase the whole history of former Patriot quarterback. An Auburn star. For some reason, I can't remember his fucking name right now. Why can't I remember his fucking name? <laughs> Who's your guy, Paul? Who, who? Cam Newton? Yeah, Cam Newton. I was thinking Dak Shepard. I'm too fucking old here. Cam Newton, they're, they're racing the guy's memory. It's just bad fucking karma. It really killed my point that I couldn't remember his name there. Cam Newton, I mean, come on. Isn't Dak Shepard like a celebrity, like an actor or something? Hilarious. I thought that was the quarterback of the Cowboys. Is he a comedian? No, Dak Shepard is like married to Kristen Bell. He's a fucking actor. You're thinking of Dak Prescott. Oh, okay. I mean. Whatever, Paul. I'm not picking the fucking Giants and ruining your Thanksgiving. You could pick uh, them. I'll take, I'll take the – no, Paul. Yeah, we're defend it, Paul. Defend it. You don't come into another man's stadium and take his fucking team. So he – like, there's a part of me that can't enjoy that they're going to win because you're getting a win. That's what you're doing to me, Paul. I didn't know that these were the rules. Oh, you're walking into my house with muddy shoes on, right on the carpet. It's No, no, no. You, If you love your team, go with them first. You had the first pick and you picked the Colts. Because I thought you weren't going to do that to me two weeks in a row, and I thought you'd love the Colts. I wouldn't, I'm not doing it. I'm like, I'm looking at the games I like. Scumbag. No. Scumbag fucking move. No, it's not. It would have been a scumbag. It is, Paul. It is. Not a scumbag. Paul, I have to watch my team win and know that you're getting a victory? Why would you do that to me? Paul, it's a holiday month. Do that to me in September. First of all, Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday, and you're eating off my plate two weeks in a fucking row. (laughs) Thanksgiving's overrated. Thanksgiving's overrated. Why Why is it overrated? Because you just sit, you get fucking fat, you sit down, you fall asleep. Christmas is about spirit, about the children being happy, getting gifts. Oh, is it? Give your wife spirit for Christmas and see how she fucking likes that. (laughs) It's not what it's about. It's about going out and buying some big stupid fucking bag you didn't want to buy just to shut them up until Valentine's Day. That's what it's about. You know what I love about fucking Thanksgiving, Paul? You're not required to do anything. You put on a sweater. You watch the Lions lose. You know? You look at the hapless fucking Cowboys, and you you tune out your relatives while you eat delicious food. Paul, you love to eat. There's always a fucking What's the matter? Because it's not built around pasta? Yeah. fucking... Yeah, so something know. wrapped in a fucking great leaf. There's always that relative at Thanksgiving that you got to worry about what they're going to say in front of people, man. Fuck out. That's it. on you, Paul. That's on you. You're the bouncer of your own house. <clears throat> Considering you don't mind barging into mine and picking my Patriots two fucking weeks in a row, you fucking turncoat son of a bitch. Paul, what I've always liked about you is you had class. 
Oh, stop it, man. You're as much me- as you dress like a third grader waiting for a bus on the first day of school. <laughs> I swear to God, you want to laugh? I put this on today. And as I put this on, I remembered my yellow sweatpants when I was in grade school. <laughs> so you look like a school bus. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, what am I doing here? So I, I'm trying to fucking kill time here so I can pull another pick out of my ass here. No, I think you did. No, I well, I, I got. I just had it. Now it's your pick, but now I got. I got to go on and try and find something here, Paul. All right, so this would be my last. Oh, you got to understand. I look at these picks for a good thirty seconds. The amount of work that's put into this. I'll go head to head with you. I'll go head to head with you. Take the. Take the Packers. I'm gonna take the Packers minus three and a half. Rogers coming back. Oh, look at you now acting like you're a hero. What do you mean? I like that pick. Exactly. Kid's coming back with a bad finger, gets hit in the finger, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right there, Paul. Everybody heard how much thought is behind our picks. Yeah, kid comes back with a bad finger. He gets hit in the finger. (laughs) That's the kind of analysis you get here. (laughs) <laughs> on the anything better podcast all right i got the fucking lines in front of me here paul i'm trying to pick because once again paul Verzi walks into my house doesn't even say hello sits down in my chair and starts fucking eating before anybody else sits at the table good lord um oh the bills are only 13 Am I going to take the fucking Jets? What am I, an asshole? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the fucking Buccaneers. Laying nine and a half against the team from Washington. How funny is it that they just can't come up with a fucking name? They're really just saying, they're really making a statement, Paul. Uh, Andrew, you got our picks, right? We got four each. All right, everybody. Well... You know, Paul, I want extra credit that last week I went four. No, despite the fact you took my Patriots. We're not going to. No, no, no. We can't. I fucking just gave you all the credit in the world for going four and oh, your fumble thing. And And I thanked you and I wished you a happy birthday. And then what did you do, Paul? You didn't even knock. You put your Air Jordans right on my French door. You kicked, (laughs) kicked the fucking door open. I love that. That Patriots pick was my fucking warm blanket for the week going, okay, as much as I hate this week, I know I'll get one. I'll get one. Well, I might do the un, 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 unforgivable, Paul. Dude, you you were that confident in that, dude? The, the Browns just won. I was, like, hesitant about that pick. You, you, lo- you, you got a guarantee on that pick? Paul, whenever you're full of shit, you start squinting your eyes. No, I was looking... <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm squinting my eyes because I'm fucking losing my sight. I'm getting old here, and I got to do this offer. Um. Anyway. Monday night special. Oh, Monday night special. Guys. Let the Monday nights, Paul. You know what? I'm going to let the bad blood between us die here because now I have to team up with you. I'm going to go old school politician here and reach across the aisle to my nemesis. Who came in and peed on my rug this week. <laughs> My door is, I can't even laugh. Um, 
guys you know what's gonna happen paul you're gonna lay off the pats next week and i'm gonna pick them they're gonna lose um guys we hit the monday night special for you not once in a row but two times in a row and i know you can't i know once not on the money line either paul not on the money line and we've we've we've, we've picked seven straight things in a row that were gonna happen and we picked mahomes to throw an interception and one team getting a fumble and then the other team getting it, and we hit them both, okay? We're making people money. As we Kenny. are patting ourselves on the back. All right, let's, the, let's, do the, let's do our money next special. As the great club soda Kenny would say, we're making money moves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the Monday night game this, this week is the Los Angeles Rams versus the San Francisco 49ers. Is that right? Correct. BetMGM has the Niners getting four. The best lines, BetMGM lines, have have the Niners getting four in San Francisco. Is that right? Correct. Ooh, Bill, what Monday night special are we going to do? Here's one I like. Well, here's something you should know. All right. The San Francisco 49ers have not won at home in like, I think that was their 13th game going back to last year. How many times... Can you lose at home? I know they got a bunch of guys out. I went to the game last week. Colt McCoy came in there and had his way with them. The Rams are coming off a loss. Andrew, is that right? The Rams are coming off a loss, dude. But how about this? By the way, dude, you you crushed that uh, Cardinals game. I think one thing we need to do is a special teams bet on this one. I say... One missed kick. Can can we do one missed kick, whether it's a PAT or a field goal, either team? Yeah, missed kick you can do for sure. That that's that's not that's not crazy. We're getting a little cocky. All right. I thought you were gonna go miss mixed extra point. I was like, Jesus, Paul. No, no. Any kick, any missed kick. Paul's going for the half court dagger during the third quarter. <laughs> I'll make sure that it can be for any team, but if you want to pick a team just in case they can't produce lines on any team missing um do we even know who their field goal kickers are paul yeah uh, has that stopped us before no i know the san fran kid i mean listen they're all find andrew find out if you know what i like the you know i went to a rams tampa bay game this year and their defense at least in september looked pretty impressive to me and i saw the 49ers last week and, uh, you know, I'm going to be I'll be honest with you. You know, the Cardinals defense forced a couple of turnovers that was huge that really could have turned the game or swung the game back around the other way. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Uh, the Rams have Matt Gay, and I'm pretty sure Robbie Gould doesn't hurt or anything, so I'm double-checking that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Gould. It's Gould. Matt Gay's a good kicker, though. The thing about the Rams is I just don't like how they got rid of their quarterback. I just don't like their coach didn't go face-to-face with them, if that's yeah. a true story. There's something about that, Paul. It's like your buddy taking your own team fucking two weeks in a row. It just rubs you the wrong way. You want to t- – <laughs> Paul, I'm mad at myself. That's what it really is, that I left it on the table for you to fucking scoop up like a fumble and run it into the end zone. I would. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I would, I didn't do it first and you didn't do it. So then I was like, I got to do it. 
What can you do? I didn't do it first. It's got to be the worst fucking excuse I've ever heard in my life. Hey, I'm not the first guy that shot someone in the head, you know? I mean, people get murdered every day. Um, what, what are we thinking? Moneyline, Rams, Niners? Who you got? I, I mean, this I mean, it's a tough game to pick on a money line. Fuck this. Let's just take the Rams. I think the 49ers, the wheels are off. Niners suck. Uh let's let's do i don't think they suck i just think that they're that right now is a good time to bet against them statistically garoppolo is like the worst quarterback starting quarterback in the league right now so isn't he greek nice no, italian garoppolo he's italian, italian. Right, paul you're gonna sit there and take that <laughs> i mean half of you should be pretty fucking upset right now do you want to do what do you want to do do you want to do like cooper cup getting six catches Jimmy the Gent. Cooper Cup over a hundred over a hundred yards reception. Oh yeah, that that guy. Yeah. What does that fucking pay? Like you got to bet four hundred dollars to make twenty. How about, how about how about Cooper Cup six receptions or more? I like that. Rams money Cooper, line. Okay. Cooper Cup missed field goal. Let's stop there. Yeah, we're gonna do missed, three missed this kick. week. Wait, who's doing a miss? Who's missing a kick? I think we just say miss a missed field goal between either team. Right. So Cooper Cup gets six catches. That brings odds up a little bit. That's a lot. That's a lot. Cooper Cup gets six catches. The Rams win on the money line, and there will be a missed field goal in the game. That's fine. Yeah. You know what that is, Paul? That last one? That's that one of those intangibles. Yeah. Yeah. For I still think the best is you said that fucking Mahomes was gonna throw a pick. I mean, who says that, Paul? I yeah, think you guys got a the lot kind of, of guy that walks into your house. All right. I'm letting it go. You guys got a lot of shit for the Mayhomes thing. Cause he was averaging like one interception a game. And so they were saying that's really not that crazy. Maybe last year it would have been, I'm just letting you know. Yeah, You know, don't people always do that. Isn't there always some cunt saying something like, you know what? I binge watched on the plane. I watched Wall Street, W-A-H-L, and it was about Mark Wahlberg, who is already a multimillionaire as an actor, right? But instead, he's trying to expand his world, and you watch this guy, you know, get all of his different businesses and dealing with the pandemic. I loved it, right? I go on the internet, seeing how the reviews were, and, and you know, I'm, and the reviews in general were good, but there's always a couple people. Who oh, really do I really need to sit and watch this? Fuck! I go, I get it, I get it. He's a movie star. He works out. He looks great. There wasn't one moment in there where the guy's being an asshole. It's like, how could you fucking not like this? Yeah, that's my pick of the week to get inspired. Like, dude, this this is there a war on self-made men all of a sudden here in this country? Yes. We, we yeah, the guy that guy grew up in a huge family. He had a dream. He went after it. He made it happen. I mean, just the storyline alone. He meets this woman who has her uh, own grocery store in Portland. He just likes her. He likes the way she's doing her business. He's got a good heart. Like I'm telling you, that is like right in the crosshairs of cunts on the internet that they're not going to like it. Um, Your heart's in the wrong place if you don't enjoy it. I really liked it and I got inspired. I'm gonna expand my business, Paul. Yeah, let's actually. I want to let's talk expand about my that. business to yellow hoodies for the person uh, in your life who you know would would push comes to shove would pick your team. That way, you never forget. You dress them all in yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Here he comes. 
You know, he's taking the last deviled egg. You're gonna be, you're gonna be on this until next week. Oh my god! No, I'm not. That's my pick of the week, though. Watch uh, 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 binge. It's six episodes. Wall Street. It's really fascinating because right as the pandemic hits, and he's trying to start all of these businesses, uh, it's kind of stressful. <clears throat> Paul, What's up, we love Andrew? you, what do you brother. Mean? All right, uh, so that parlay won't work because you can't do odds against nobody getting a field goal. So real quick, if you guys – and Cooper Cups uh, usually averages seven and a half catches. So if you want to make it like above 10, because it's just not going to pay out. It's below that, so it'll be negative money. So it's got to be like on – All right. All right, so all right. So for the Monday night special, we'll do Rams money line. You want to do Cooper – can we do Cooper Cup, like you said, 100 yards receiving? Yeah, that's he's, he he averages right around there. So you'd want to do like over, you know, over a hundred. He's not going to have he's not going to have ten catches. Cooper Cup is not going to have ten catches. Will he have one hundred and forty yards? No, he's averaging seven and a half. So 49ers defense, Paul, is decimated. Does the 49ers defense double up on Cooper Cup because he's the best fucking receiver in football? Probably. I don't think he's going to get a 10, 10 catches. Um, you want to? How about this? You want to do Matt Stafford throws three touchdowns? It's fun. That's a lot. All right. I don't like this all of a sudden. Now we got to fucking. We're such idiots. We're like no, Cooper Cup. Who who fucking averages seven catches? He's gonna get six. Someone's gonna miss a field goal. We were way off. Can't bet on any of that. Um, all right, we got the Rams in the money line. Yep. Um, fuck that. I don't give a shit if they do double cover him. I think he gets nine catches. I do. Nine. Nine. He gets nine catches. And uh, Jimmy G throws a pick. That's wow. probably low odds. All right, let's do it. I mean, nine catches is a lot. But all right. Hey, Paul, I'll bet you a stick he gets nine. Side bet. He's averaging seven and a half. You want to do eight? Oh. Just to make – we were trying to make people money. Well, that's why you want to do like nine. Yeah, you want to go a little higher, Paul. Dude, that all defense right. fucking stinks. All right. Nine catches. All right. Nine catches. Jimmy G throws. Right, so you can feel better about it, Paul. I'll take that action. If you want to come at me, come at me, Paul. I'm sitting right here. What are you going to do? I mean, now that means I'm betting against the people, but I don't think he's going to have nine catches. We'll talk. We'll talk. Jeez. I'll, I'll, I'll oh, go it's with the you. fucking holiday season here, Paul. Yeah. I don't want to be the guy that walks up to the crabs table and bets on everybody to crap out. So I'll go with it. Nine catches. Uh, Rams money line and Jimmy G throws a pick. You got me betting on a All right, and if he doesn't get nine catches, I'll get you a fucking cigar. And I'll sing I'm sorry by by fucking Peggy Lee to all the fucking listeners if it doesn't come in. I know why you want me to make an Italian throw a pick because you're still mad at me about the New England thing. (laughs) Is that what that's about? (laughs) You want me to have an Italian throw a pick. It's, It's a subconscious thing. So wait a minute. So it's okay for you to be emotional about that, but I can't protect my own team. Yeah, we both can be emotional. It's totally fine. So you, what do you? Well, wait. So what do you want? You want Jimmy G throws a pick or no? Yeah, because your gut said that, and I like it. I think that'll happen. I see the pain I'm bringing to your face, Paul. I don't want to do that to you. 
He's a good looking Italian kid. I like the kid. What are you going to do? But you know what? Everybody has a bad throw every once in a while. And he's going against a good defense and he might be desperate because they might be down points. So he may have to force a little ball in there. All of a sudden it's tipped at the line of scrimmage and the Rams get a pick maybe late in the game. I like it. Which gives Cooper Cup another chance to go out and get a couple more catches and everybody fucking wins. I like it. There you go. All right. We got it. Let the Monday night special. If we get three in a row, MGM better send something. They're going to have to shut us down. All right, guys. So those are our week nine picks. Uh, Hope you enjoy it. Also, join us for the Monday night special. Bill, give them the song again. I always think about you doing that. Oh, yeah. Let the Monday night special. Uh, Put some money in your pocket because we picked two weeks in a row. Better money train right to the fucking bank, guys, with uh, obviously BetMGM. As you guys know, as we've been talking about, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We're using their lines, the best lines, the BetMGM lines to make all of our picks. And um, we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, just go to BetMGM app. Okay, use the bonus code BURR, that's B-U-R-R. You'll get $200 free after placing your first $10 bet. Here's how it works. You download the BetMGM app, you sign up using a bonus code BURR. Couldn't be easier. B-U-R-R, then you're in. Then you place your first bet, $10 money line bet on any NFL game. You'll receive $200 in free bets immediately after placing your bet, regardless of the outcome. That's incredible. Just make sure you regardless, Freddie Soto, rest in peace. Uh, rest in peace. Rest of soul. Just make sure you use bonus code Burr, B-U-R-R when you sign up with bet MGM. And I am, I'm a little under the weather. I'm using my bet MGM thermos here. It's been amazing. Put it in front of the camera, Paul. You have to be 21 years of age or older to wager in Arizona, Colorado, D.C., Iowa, Indianapolis, Michigan, Minnesota, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming only. Uh, new customer offer paid in free bets. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Uh, excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP for Arizona. Uh, 800-522-4700 for Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, and Virginia. 800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER, Indianapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF for Iowa. Call or text the Tennessee red line. 800-889-9789 for Tennessee or call. 888-777-9696 for Minnesota. Uh, sports betting is a void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states uh, were prohibited. Uh, promotional offers not available in Nevada. Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, November 11th, 2013. How's it going, dude? You know, guess who got his uh, Boston Red Sox championship hat the other day? This guy. This guy right here. Oh, I was there from October 7th on. I'll tell you, the mental anguish that I went through as a fan over those 23 days, whatever the fuck it took them to win it. But um, I got to tell you, I, I actually don't like the hat. It's it just makes me feel old when I look at it. It just used to just be the B, and then it'd be like, oh, 2013 champions. That's all you needed. Now they got they got the fucking trophy spinning out to the right. The B's over here. It's a fucking mess. You know, 
I don't know. I just look. I, 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 you know what I look like when I put it on? I look like uh, I'm trying to start a, a rapping career. <laughs> Can I have the middle-aged white guy? Our team won a championship, and I kind of sucked in gym class. But God damn it, I had heart. White dude hat. Can they make one of those? I don't fucking know. Oh, I don't know. Anyways, I'm, um, you know, not shitting on that, you know, that style of a hat. I'm just saying it just looks dumb on my head. You know? I'm white. Of course I observe sports. (laughs) Why would you pick me? I am right where I'm supposed to be in the stadium. I'm sitting in the stands. How about having a little consideration for a, a, a rapidly aging, balding, slow redheaded white dude and give me a nice boring hat? What am I, fucking Ashton Kutcher? <laughs> Is that an old reference? I mean, that fucker's in his 30 by now. I don't know what happened in the last 10 years. But I've noticed it in my act when I go to make references. I think I brought this up before. I was doing a college gig. So I'm up there. I'm trying to be hip. I'm trying to be down. I don't know what I was doing. And I I made a reference. I needed a reference for, you know, a young pop skanky kind of chick. And I, I threw up Britney Spears. And, dude, I'm telling you, absolute fucking crickets. I got nothing on it. And then I just did the math quickly in my head. I'm like, wait a minute. Britney Spears is like a 32, 33-year-old divorced mother of two at this point. She's not that 18, 17, 18-year-old girl coming out going, oh, I, yeah, I, I popped my pussy. Whatever the fuck she sang in her little fucking outfit, you know, total entrapment. Hey, once she's of age, can you still go back and jerk off to that video or is that still looking at kitty porn? <laughs> Look, I know in the video she's 17, but right now she's 26. So even if you split the difference, she's like 23, right? Um, anyway, so then I had to like, I made a reference. I, I did Don Myrera's podcast and we were talking about, he busted me when I, I did. Uh, maybe it wasn't his podcast. I did, his, I did his stand-up show down at the Laugh Factory. The world famous Laugh Factory, everybody. All right. And if you're around the world and you've never heard of the world famous Laugh Factory, then I I think you need to become a little more cosmopolitan, a little more worldly. Okay, you got the Great Wall of China. You got the Arc de Triomphe and you have the world famous Laugh Factory on Sunset Strip. All right. Run by the always lovely. Jamie Masada. And I was down there doing a stand-up thing. And Dom has this cool show where, like, you know, you do stand-up. And then after you're done, he comes up and he does these interviews, which is more you just sit there breaking each other's balls and laughing your ass off. So he called me out on um, dusting off some old topical material. But I forget how I dropped into it. Um, but I, I, I did the whole, oh, speaking of this, you know, what's up with Monica Lewinsky? I mean, it wasn't that bad. But it was one of those deals where he busted me and I laughed about it. And I, and I, was, I was reminded this time in like the early 2000s, I was working with this fucking hack. And he was on stage and he just goes out of nowhere. He goes, you know, people are still talking about OJ. 
he just the O.J. Simpson trial was in ninety. Ha, uh, the death, the murder happened in June of ninety four, and the trial concluded in October of ninety five. And it was two thousand two. And this guy goes, people are still talking about O.J. Seven fucking years later, and then he proceeds to do material that wasn't seven years after the case kind of thing. It was like this was shit that he wrote while the trial was going on. And anyway, so I go to tell that story and I'm at the Laugh Factory and it's a crowd of 20-somethings and I tell it to Dom and I want to say Dom laughed, but it got nothing from the crowd. And then I'm just looking, going, all right, say like the average person here is 24. That means they were born in 1989. That means O.J., you know, I shouldn't even see him. He got acquitted, right? I never understood that case. He got acquitted, but he still had to give everybody all his stuff. Like, they need more evidence to send you to jail for life. But, you know, to get all his stuff, including his Heisman Trophy, all the other side just has to be like, I mean, come on. I mean, you know he did it. Who else, who else would have done it? And then it's like, you know, the end of the uh, Wheel of Fortune. You're just like, all right, first Slicing my daughter's throat, I'll take the dinette set for 700 That's disgusting, Bill. That was a disgusting joke. Well, fuck you. I got an hour to fill here. I'm talking to myself. Huh? What would you be talking about six and a half minutes in? Exactly. Okay? So sit back down in your plastic staples chair, and you put your head down on your desk inside of your fucking cubicle. I don't hear another word out of you for the next fucking 53 and a half minutes. Okay? I'm in no mood. I got a long podcast ahead of me, and the last thing I need is someone like you getting all fucking up in here next to your stapler. Anyways. Yeah, so I'm, I'm starting to feel my age. I mean, I look, I look phenomenal, despite the top of my dome. From just below my hairline down, for my age, I look phenomenal. <laughs> I do. Fuck you. I look great. All right, I've seen other 45-year-olds. It's not a pretty sight. And maybe it's because they got married and they had a bunch of kids, right? And they made them some omelets and the kids didn't finish it because they didn't have teeth yet. So then you got to eat their omelets too. And then you start walking sideways out of your house just trying to get through the door jam, right? You just start using momentum to get to your car, you know? You put your belly right on the fucking driver's side door, leaning against it. You know, like a heavyweight fighter trying to wear down his opponent. You're just leaning against your car as you're fiddling around trying to find your keys in your pocket. You literally have to take a break from carrying that bacon, egg, and cheese mass right in front of you. The fucking suspension digging in on the opposite side of the car, like when I try to tip my dog over, you know? I don't know how difficult cow tipping is, but trying to tip over a pit bull is practically impossible. They get low, and they put two of their bionic fucking legs on the opposite side of their body. And then they also have, like, webbed toes, and they just dig into the carpet. Isn't that right, Cleo? Huh? Dude, I got to put up this video of her snoring the other night, last night. She sounded like a fucking trucker who just got back from a fucking there and back trip across the country. Full of obbies. Laying on her back. Fucking face twitching, REM sleep, and just snoring. I don't know. I don't think she got sleep apnea. I don't know what her deal is. I fucking love her, though. So anyways, 
the hell was I just talking about? Oh, yes, I'm uh, looking good for my age, but um, I'm starting to feel it, feeling it with the references. So the other day I was working, um, what the hell was I? I had an un- unbelievable weekend. I worked uh, D.C., New York, and Philly, and uh, I'm, I'm backstage in, uh, in New York City at the Beacon Theater, all right? Legendary theater. Um, just beyond anything I ever thought about. I used to go to Stand Up New York on the Upper West Side, and my whole fucking thing was just being able to get a spot there. First on a weekday, a scheduled spot, not to get thrown up, to actually have my name on the schedule. He has a 1020, right? And then it became, can I do a weekend spot? But I, I and you know, I get off the subway and I'd walk by that theater a zillion times and it never even dawned on me that a comedian could even fucking play a place like that. That's how far away that was. So um, I hope if you were in the area, you had a chance to come down there because um, both of those shows were, uh, I don't know, that was something else, something else, uh, right up there with Carnegie or any of those other things. And uh, But there was something about the Beacon that just, it felt like, uh, I don't know, felt like I was at the cellar, like comfortable. It was awesome. So anyways, yeah, Jesus Christ, I forgot what the fuck I was talking about. All right, let's back it up. It's how my brain works. It goes in a straight line. So I got to, you know, like when you miss an exit, you got to back up back in the day and you go back and look at the sign. Back in the car up. Or maybe you just pulled over and your dad got out all pissed off and left his family of five sitting on the side of the road waiting to be rear-ended. Well, people didn't text when they drove back then. So I guess it was normal. Right? Um, ah, shit. What the fuck was I talking about? I can't remember. I literally cannot remember anything that I said before. No, wait. I said a bad joke. OJ. Dinette set. Ah, Christ. And there it is. And then, and then it just hits the fucking beach. And now here we are. We're, we're, in, we're in a fucking lull. I guess I was talking about eating like shit. You know? I was doing so well. I got myself down to about a buck 70. You know, I'm watching that UFC, the ultimate fighter, right? I'm watching that this season. Everybody on the show is in shape. The women are fucking taking it to the next level. They're having some of the best fights of the season. And it's making me want to work out. And then I went on the road. And this is a funny thing. Me, I, I went out with Verzi, right? And we're not drinking right now. We're on the wagon. Although I drank Wednesday and Thursday, but I'm still I still consider on the wagon. Wednesday I got fucked up, and uh, and I paid for it the whole day. And I was like, "This is stupid. I got how many times do I have to learn this lesson?" Um, oh, I got to tell you guys, I, I I went to the Rangers game, the Rangers Penguins game on uh, what was that Wednesday night? I got to tell you what what a fucking venue. You know, they redid the whole thing. Seriously, after going to a, the Clippers-Warriors game, just being in the Staples Center, because I really love L.A., and I don't look at the people like they're plastic, phony, or that type of shit. But I got to tell you, having gone to that game Sunday night and then gone to Madison Square Garden, uh, just you could not compare the atmospheres. It was just fucking, I thought, can I stop saying that annoying word? The atmosphere inside the stadium was just, it was electric. Yeah, I mean, you, you could feel there was something palpable in the air, the, 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 the pirate victory that was to come. Um, 
That was fucking amazing. There's just nothing like being in a stadium, watching a team that has a history, albeit a tragic one, but has a history, and everybody just grew up watching them, and they know the history of the game. There's rivalries. You just you feel it, you know? It's like a... Uh, it's like one of those home-cooked meals that gets better every time you reheat it. You know, like a beef stew. A gumbo. Let's throw that out there for the wonderful people down there in New Orleans. I actually got homesick, you know, last night when I watched a little bit of the Saints-Cowboys. I watched a little bit of the Saints-Cowboys game. And um, when they, they were shooting down the street, you know, they always play that New Orleans music and shit. And uh, Al Michaels are going was sitting there talking about how they were shooting right down Canal Street. And I stayed there at the hotel. There was the hotel. There's the fucking Harrah's. There's the cigar bar. And I missed it. <clears throat> but I got to tell you, I ended up shutting off the game because I was so tired. And I, what did I, I ended up watching this documentary on Dr. J on the NBA channel. You guys got to see it. Of course, I don't know the name of it. But uh, just they, they don't never made one like that. Never uh, again. Before or after, just the combination. That guy was so fucking cool and so classy. And even to this day, you want to talk about a guy aging well, you know? <clears throat> they said that he uh, he can still dunk. And I'm not going to say whether or not he proves that he can still do it, but you definitely should watch the documentary of the shit that the guy was doing, especially all you guys from the Jordan era. Or maybe the Kobe era, who just went just as far back as Michael Jordan. If you want to know how Michael existed or whatever, it's because he got to, I mean, aside from obviously all his hard work and all that type of stuff, but he, he got to watch a guy like, like Dr. J, and uh, they showed all the classic shit. His dunk on Michael Cooper, um, and then that one where in the 1980s finals where he drives baseline jumps up in the air, and he's got the ball, I think maybe in the third row, sort of doing this sort of windmill thing, swooping around. And he's literally, his momentum carries him out of bounds. There's some giant white dude, and I don't know if it was Kareem or who else, just completely took away that side of the rim. It was over. So anybody else, even an all-star, maybe the best they could do is maybe look to see, find somebody open underneath the basket to pass it to him or do the playground thing where you try to throw it off a defensive player and it's out on them, right? But instead, he just keeps flying through the air. All right, there's two tall people blocking this side of the rim. I think I'll just keep gliding through the air. I'm starting to come down, so I'll pull my legs up a little bit, give, me, give myself a little more hang time. Comes back all the way to the other side of the basket. Everything but probably, you know, his... Halfway to his right forearm, down to the tip of his fingers, is out of bounds the other way. And he just reaches back inbounds at the last second and puts like a reverse spin on the ball for a reverse layup on the other side. I can't explain. And it goes by so fucking fast. You have to watch it in slow motion. Um, they got that. They got all the ABA highlights and the stuff. They were giving away like they had a dollar night or something like that at Nassau Coliseum where the New York Nets played when he was in the ABA, and it was a dollar a ticket. 9,000 people showed up, and if you showed up, not only was your ticket only a dollar, they gave away a free loaf of bread. (laughs) 
So then you start to see all that, all that Will Ferrell semi-pro stuff. It's just, it's awesome, man. I'm actually looking it up right now. Dr. J documentary. Um, I guess it's just called The Doctor. Watch NBA TV's The Doctor full documentary. Uh, Jesus Christ, it's already up online. Those fucking sons of bitches. Definitely check it out. And then they got all his awesome commercials. Um, with all the, the fucking 70s music. They had this one that goes, Hey, hey, Dr. J, where'd you get those moves? You move with such grace. Are you a member of the human race? They literally go, are you a member of the human race? Like, you, pol- political correctness would never let you get away from that with the underlying racist comments. What they were really trying to say was we've never seen anybody play like that. But, you know, those Aryan cunts of course, would be like, you know, that's exactly what we were saying, right? I guess the Nazi guys would talk like that, right? Do you actually have like a bad German accent like I just did? But you got to see it. But you got to watch that commercial. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a link up for that because then the dude, the second verse that they don't show in the documentary, he goes up into that fucking 70s falsetto. It's the shit. Nia loved it. She like was like memorizing the song and was walking around our house singing it last night. Um... Which is why I love her. All right. So there's that. So definitely check out uh, The Doctor on the NBA channel. Watch it on the NBA channel. All right. Help out that zillion dollar business with their mobbed up refs. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, where the hell are we? Oh, my God. Where did the last fucking 12 minutes go? It just really flies by when you're having fun. Okay. Time to do a little bit of advertising. All right, everybody, here we go. Bill's going to try to read out loud once again this week. Is there any improvement? Any improvement? Ah, fuck, I'm already throwing it off the rails. All right, here we go. Focusing, taking our time, relaxing, maybe going a little slower, letting it breathe. Dollar Shave Club, everyone. For a couple of bucks a month, dollarshaveclub.com delivers amazing quality razors right to your door. Not only does it save you a ton of cash, it saves you from trudging to the drugstore for a pack of blades. I always get stuck behind the lady paying with all her loose change from the cat from the car ashtray. Actually, that's not true. I get I get stuck behind the people who want to not only buy some uh, I don't know stuff for their dentures. They also want to develop some film and buy some ice cream. And the place I go to, you know, only has like two employees, so that one person has to do all of it. So that's. That's who I get stuck behind. But let's pretend it is me. It's like she thinks exact change is a requirement. I'm a patient person, but heck, I came in with, with scruff. Now I'm leaving with the full beard. But now with Dollar Shave Club for just a couple of bucks a month, amazing quality razor blades are delivered right to your door. That's right. No more wasting time and no more getting hit up for 20 bucks every time you buy razors. Everybody here is getting their Dollar Shave Club blades, and you should too. And here's a genius idea. Try replacing your old shaving cream with Dr. Kavi's Easy Shave Butter from the thedollarshaveclub.com. Trust me, your face will thank you later. Don't waste time at the drugstore behind the lady paying in pennies. Go to dollarshaveclub.com forward slash burr or go to billbird.com and click on the Dollar Shave Club banner. Keep your stress level low and your bank account high. Um, shave time, shave money. Go to dollarshaveclub.com forward slash burr. All right, just for the record, I think I screwed up three times. That's not bad. Let's see if I can drop my... This is like golfing. See if I can take a stroke off on this one. E-voice. If you are an entrepreneur, two things keep you up at night. 
increasing revenue, and controlling expenses. What about the gold-digging horse sleeping next to you? Um, eVoice is a simple technology that helps you do both. How? Let's start with revenue. eVoice helps you make sure that everyone who calls your business is treated like gold. You get your own toll-free or local number. You can set up a dial-by-name directory or have calls instantly routed anywhere. Your cell phone, your house, your partner or assistant are all of the above. eVoice even transcribes your voicemails and emails them directly to you. So you can prioritize when and how to respond without interrupting your workflow. With eVoice, you can never leave money on the table. Just go to the podcast page at billbird.com and click on the eVoice banner or go to eVoice.com slash billbird. Damn it. eVoice also cuts your expenses by acting as your business phone system and your receptionist. The technology could save your business hundreds of thousands of dollars. eVoice starts at only 10 bucks per month. And for that, plus you can get a toll-free, ah, shit. <sighs> plus you can get free 30-day trial right now when you go to the podcast page at billbird.com and click on the eVoice banner or eVoice.com billbird slash billbird. That's my website, billbird.com, and click on the eVoice banner or to eVoice.com slash billbird. You got to be kidding me. I was like three-quarters of the way. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a perfect game. And then I messed up once. I'm like, well, I'm still going to beat three. Then I had two. And then I'm like, don't blow it. God damn it. So that was three again. Let's do one more here. Let's see if I can only make two screw-ups. I'll have to go a little slower. Put a little more twinkle in my eye. Hulu Plus, everyone. You've probably tried Hulu.com. Now with Hulu Plus, you can watch your favorite shows anytime, anywhere. Hulu Plus lets you watch thousands of hit TV shows and a selection of acclaimed movies on your television or on the go with your smartphone or tablet. And it all streams in HD for the best viewing experience. With Hulu Plus, you can watch your favorite current TV shows like Saturday Night Live, Community, and Family Guy. You can also check out exclusive content, including Hulu Originals, like The Awesomes, starring SNL's Seth Meyers, and Moon Boy, starring Chris O'Dowd from Bridesmaids. Hulu Plus also offers a great selection of acclaimed films. For only $7.99 a month, you can stream as many TV shows and movies as you want, wherever you want. Right now, you can try Hulu Plus free for two weeks when you go to HuluPlus.com slash Bill. That's a special offer for my listeners only. Make sure you use HuluPlus.com slash Bill so you can get an extended free trial and they know we sent you. Go to HuluPlus.com slash Bill now or click the Hulu Plus banner on the podcast page at BillBird.com. All right. I think that was only two mess-ups. Possibly three. All right. Anyways, let's get back to the, uh, let's get back to the, old, uh, the old podcast of Rooney there. Um, <clears throat> so, as I mentioned, oh, this week they had the uh, New York Comedy Festival, which was why I was at the, uh, I was in New York City working at the Beacon Theater. Um, it was so this this was my weekend. I worked Dark Constitution Hall, where Eddie Murphy taped Delirious, and Chris Rock did I think Never Scared, or Shoot the Messenger. I forget which one. Um, so I got to work that place, and then I did the Beacon, you know, which is the Beacon, and then I got to do the Tower Theater in Philly. So um, it was insane. It was absolutely insane, and as if my week couldn't have got any better. Uh, because it was the New York um, Comedy Festival, there was all these big-name comics um, that were in town. 
And uh, Bill Cosby was working at the theater down in Madison Square Garden. And uh, it was on my bucket list. You know, I got to see this guy. I saw Carlin. I never saw Pryor. I have to see Bill Cosby. Um, I saw Don Rickles earlier this year. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that I should have seen throughout my career. And I never did because I was too busy trying to get better myself. And I was always like, I'm going to see him. I'm going to see him. I'm going to see him. And like, like I never saw Carlin when I was actually a stand-up comic where I could have appreciated him even more. I saw him and um, I told you this story before. I'll tell it again real quick. Me and a buddy of mine saw him at the Cape Cod Melody Tent. And we actually went down there to laugh at him, if you can believe it. Because my buddy had convinced me that he was still doing his more stuff bit, that he hadn't changed up his stuff. So we were driving to the venue drinking and laughing, going, more stuff. Like, we just were like, we're going to go down there. We actually used to go out. Like, I went and I saw a, a live taping of the Morton Downey Jr. show. We would go out to go see stuff like that, to enjoy it and also laugh at the people that that thought it was great stuff. Morton Downey Jr. was great, but come on, it was a shit show, right? Um, we saw Dice. Um, we love Dice. We saw him at the Worcester Central. We didn't go down there to laugh at him by any stretch of the means. We went down there to fucking laugh our balls off, and we did. Um, saw him at the Worcester Centrum. And, but we went to go see Carlin. We went down there to laugh at him, thinking he was going to do all his old material. And, of course, we go there, and he had a brand-new killer hour, and he was ten times the comic that he was the last special, just how he just kept growing throughout his whole career. So anyways, but I never saw him when I was an actual stand-up comic. I saw him when I wasn't a comic, so all I knew was this, this guy was funny as hell. Um, so anyways, long story short, I was flying to New York, and they had an article in the New York Post that said that uh, Cosby was in town and he was doing the festival. So I called up and I asked if there was any way I could stand in the back and blah, 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 and just check him out. And they hooked me up and they actually got me to the side of the stage. And I was thinking, oh, maybe, maybe he'll just walk by and I'll get to shake his hand. No, I don't want to bug him. I don't want to bug him. So I go backstage and, of course, there's like 40 people standing there because you want to go, you, you got to see Bill Cosby. So I'm standing there, and then this woman goes, hey, you want to go up and meet him? And I was like, meet who? And she was, and I'm like, Cosby? And she was like, yeah. So she starts walking up towards his dressing room, and I'm, it's like I had fucking mud, and I'm walking in mud, like I was, afr- I was afraid. So I'm walking, I'm going, are you sure it's okay? Are you sure it's okay? Because this wasn't somebody running the festival. This was just like a PA that was bringing me up there. And it's right before he's going on. And I'm thinking, like, uh, it just didn't seem like this was going to happen. So she walks up, knocks on his door. I hear somebody say, come in. That's not him. And they open the door, and there he is sitting there with one other guy. And so I walk in, thinking I'm going to get an intro from the PA, and she just closes the door behind me. (laughs) So now I'm standing there. It's me, this other dude. And Bill Cosby, who's, the other two are sitting down and I'm standing up. And Cosby looks up at me and he just goes, who are you? And immediately my heart is pounding. I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm Bill Burr. I'm, I'm, I'm a stand-up comedian. And he, and he interrupts and he just goes, and why are you here? 
So now I'm going like, oh, my God, this is the fucking nightmare. I didn't want to come up here. I didn't want to bug him. I was tongue-tied. I had – I there was nothing I, – I, I, what am I going to – why am I here? I don't know why I'm here. I didn't ask to come up here. She just fucking dragged me. So it's three excruciating seconds after he said, and why are you here? And I'm just sitting there with my jaw on the ground. And then he finally lets me off the hook, and he goes – you are here because I asked you to be. And then he motions to a chair and goes, sit down. So I sit down. He had no idea who I was. I think he knew that I was a comedian. But I, I, I sat down and immediately I just had this fucking ear-to-ear grin on my face that I couldn't wipe away. And I just, as I was sitting down, I was like, I got to tell you, this is like meeting the Pope And he goes, yes, but way more entertaining. I can't do it the way he did. He just had me laughing. And he proceeded to just start talking to me about how excited he was about his new special and about the way that he shot the thing and 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 uh, the artistic way. He's like, you have to see this thing. And he was saying there's no crowd shots. He goes, I don't want the camera on my crowd. He goes, leave my people alone. Let them laugh if they think it's funny. He goes, I don't want the camera on them. And then they get self-conscious and they feel like they have to. And he imitates their laugh and he does that Cosby. Ah, did that thing. It was insane. So then he goes, he goes, I'm going to tell you something about shooting a special. And then he looks at the other guy. He goes, I don't think I should tell him this. You know what? I'm going to tell it. I'm going to, I'm going to tell it to him. And he turns to talk to me. And right then the door opens And the PA comes back and goes, Mr. Cosby, are you ready? And he goes, oh, yes, of course. And he stands up and he walks out. (laughs) So I never got to hear that that the secret of shooting a special from a guy who I I think, you know, I've said this before. I feel like Richard Pryor live in concert and Bill Cosby himself run the entire gamut of – uh, it's like two perfect games. Um, I can't, I can't explain it. And it's just one, just absolutely like Cosby's, just totally clean. Other than he says asshole one time, but it's totally necessary. It's just not an ounce of fat in that special, just wire to wire. He's just sitting down, killing, not cursing, just like I just you couldn't do it any better as far as just a written special all the way to prior live in concert, which is just like, I don't, that's just, I don't know how to describe that style. Just open free going off. Not like you don't have your bits, but like those nights when you're just on as a comic and you're just tagging every joke and a three-minute joke becomes a five-minute joke and a five-minute joke becomes a 12-minute joke. And then the next time you do your, your, your set, you're thinking about how you did it the last time, so you're in your head. And then your three-minute joke that became a five-minute joke now becomes a one-minute joke. And you burn through an hour of material in 17 minutes and you're on stage going, what the fuck happened? Um, anyways, those are the two perfect things. So anyways, then he goes downstairs. And he walks out on stage and just sits down. He has like a, you can't even see it. It's like this clear mic that um, almost like he would be like 
typing into on, on a keyboard. So it's hands-free kind of thing. And he sits down almost like a catcher. And he's just like, like he's sitting down on a stoop and just does like an hour, uh, you know, he was only doing like, there was a number of comics that were on it. Um, but he just sits down and like he did 30 years ago when I saw him or whenever the hell it was. Yeah, it was 30 years ago. Just absolutely just total command of the crowd. I've, I've never seen anything like it, but there was so many people backstage talking and, and that type of thing that uh, I'm st- I still have to go see that guy live because I hear <clears> – <throat> they said when he did his special, he did two shows, both 90 minutes, both all different material. And I brought that up to him when I was talking to him real quickly. I still can't believe I'm, I'm saying this. Yeah, when I was talking to Bill Cosby and he said uh, – and it, he just was humble. He goes, well, you know, I've been doing this for like <laughs> 50 years I, I should have that much material, wouldn't you think? And it's just like, yeah, but it's that's all relevant, you know? Don't you have any topical stuff that you have to throw out? I mean, it's just unbelievable. So um, he's touring. He's out there. He's part of uh, one of the last ones from a generation that taught the rest of us how to do it. So if he comes to your town, I, I can't re- recommend it enough to go out and go see that guy. But – uh yeah, so that was my week. You know? That doesn't suck, does it? I don't think so. Um, so what else did I do? Let's talk about some of the shit I did with uh, New Jersey's own Paul Verzi. You know, I'm actually rooting against the Giants, not because I hate him, but because Paul Verzi said when they were 0-6 that they were going to go on a run. Remember I said that? You know, I got a feeling, you know, they, 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 they could turn, you know. So I, it's not that I don't want to see the Giants go on a run. It's just I don't want to listen to Paul tell me that he called it for the next six years. Okay? The fact that he's still talking about Cano and all that, I don't need another thing. Him going, like, ah, like when we're both, like when I'm 60 and he's 50. I don't want to be listening to him talking about the 2013 regular fucking season. That they could go on a run and blah, 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 blah. And also, just having watched the Giants, you know, win against the Patriots in the Super Bowl twice when the Patriots had him and they let him off the hook. Now, I'm not taking away from the Giants because the Giants still had to fucking deliver, and Jesus Christ, did they? And they all stepped up and they all made a play where we didn't, where Sante Samuels dropped a fucking interception, you know, and we Brady to Welker six yards fucking completion that would have gone for a first down and the game is over and you leave the door open for him. They are just a blessed team. The fact that you can go 0-6... Okay, and then win your next two games and only be two games out in a 16-game season. They have a horseshoe buried so far up their fucking ass. Like, they literally, they could actually win their division starting 0-6. Starting 0-6 as a football team is basically, that would be like losing your first 50 games as a baseball team. Going like 0-50. Okay, because what, 0-8 is half the season. So 0-6, I'm not doing the math. I can't even do the math. We'll say that's 40% of the season. There's 162 games. That's 40. We'll just go 40 and 40. That's, that's like losing your first 70. Ah, gee, I don't fucking know. It's like losing a bunch of fucking games, and then somehow not only do you go on a run, you like you win your division. It's insane. 
Wait, did the Cowboys win last night? I got to look it up. I started watching that Dr. J documentary. They were playing the Saints. I'm going to guess no. Saints at home. Let's see. Cowboys. Saints. This is entertaining, right? Listening to some douchebag look up a score. And I'm going to say the Saints won. Jesus, did they ever. 49-17. What the fuck? So now they're 5-5. Five and five. Now, oh, fuck this. I got to look it up. Dude, this is fucking hilarious. NFL. Let's uh, get me to NFL.com. Official website. Standings. Here we go. Standings. What are they, a game up now? The Giants are three and six. So they're, they're, they're two out. They're two games back. That's fucking hilarious. They're actually tied with the Redskins. The Washington Redskins, you ought to be ashamed of yourselves. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Jesus Christ. They went 0-6. The Giants went 0-6, and it only took them nine games to catch you. Oh, wow, that's depressing. We're already nine games into this fucking season. Ah, fuck, it just doesn't, it just goes by too fast. It's already November. Unbelievable, but thank God there's hockey. And I'm actually kind of into the, into the NBA this year. Um, I don't know, but it's it's very hard to, to stay up on both those leagues because there's so many games and they play like they, their seasons just completely overlap each other. Have you noticed that? There's baseball, football. Like people are either baseball, football, basketball, or baseball, football, hockey. Um, you know, if you're going to go, if you're going to try to watch as much as you can. And then you throw in the golf and you got to watch Wimbledon, right? I mean, no wonder the years are flying by and your wife has that angry look on her face. You know, it's, it's just flying. Oh, another one. You guys got to watch. Watch the Pat Summerall documentary, A Football Life on Pat Summerall. That's another one. Just, uh, just amazing, you know, and made me feel good about my drinking considering the way they people used to go back in the day. Um Dude, the last Super Bowl, I forget the guy. It was before my time that Pat Summerall was paired up with before John Madden. Um, it was just like an open joke that they used to go out boozing, like kind of like in a Dean Martin kind of way. Let's see, Pat Summerall uh, broadcast team, broadcast partner. There we go. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, Tom Brookshire, was that the guy's name? Yeah, I think it was Tom Brookshire. And they actually, before Super Bowl thirteen, the second time the Cowboys and the Steelers met up, they came on the air and both looked like shit and talked about how they'd been there since Tuesday. The game was on Sunday or something. How they'd been there since Tuesday and how they felt like they had been there for there for nine years and were just basically openly admitting that they were fucking hungover and felt like shit. It was insane. So those, those are two documentaries to watch. Um, oh, by the way, I had a great, great fucking time when I was in Philly. Um, whenever I drive to Philly down from New York, by the time I get into Philadelphia, I absolutely fucking hate the city. I just hate the fact that you just can't seem to get off the goddamn Jersey Turnpike. You got. I, I always take that exit five. I always take the wrong one. I got to weave my way through like twelve suburban towns. 
going by a goddamn gazebo to go to a major city. It's a major city. You got four major fucking teams. I don't understand why they don't have some fucking throughway where I can continue to drive 70 miles an hour and get to Philly in no time whatsoever. I know I'm taking the wrong one. I should take that one that's the 30 that you go over the Ben Franklin Bridge. But I went over that, that other one, exit five, where you end up going over like that fucking footbridge. Um, then you're pissed and you get there and it's like 12 one ways and going in the same direction then another one going the other way. And you're like, my hotel's right fucking there. How do I get to it? And you're pissed, but then you see Mitchell and Ness and all the great food and then you're walking around and you have a great time. So anyways, um, we went and we did the shows at the Tower Theater. Crowds were awesome. Um, just fucking awesome. And um, Oh, and you know what was awesome too? Was some woman came to my came to the first show and as I was walking off stage, like handed me a loaf of pumpkin bread because I uh, I mentioned I was talking shit about how good my pumpkin bread was. So she hands me this loaf of pumpkin bread as I'm getting off stage. And I'm laughing like, like, because I know why she gave it to me. And I'm walking upstairs and she has it wrapped very professionally. Like she has cellophane around it. And then she has this plastic bag over that with a twisty, a twist tie. And now I'm going upstairs, and I walk by the guy. I go, look at this. Somebody made me some pumpkin bread. And, you know, there's no barcode on it. There's no governmental shit. This stuff has not gone through any sort of stuff whatsoever. So I'm I say to the, the guy backstage, I go, you got, a, you got a rat problem back here? Can I feed a piece of this to a rat and just see what happens to the rat? Like a little food testing before I bite into this, make sure there's no weed in it or any shit like that. And... um and whatever. So I went upstairs and I was just like, I got to try it. And uh, I hope the person who made it is is listening. It was fucking outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, I'm not going to say it was better than mine. That's like saying Cosby's better than prior. Our pumpkin breads are both coexisting in that stratosphere. And it would just really be a, a it would just be a, a personal preference. I, I got to tell you, um, Whoever made it made it and, and handed it to me. It was outstanding. Verzi had some too, and was like it's like I couldn't throw it out. Actually, Paul took it home to his family. So I hope the drugs or whatever you did to it aren't in the middle of it because he has kids. <laughs> but it was fucking delicious. So thank you very much for that. Um, it's very nice of you. Um, and speaking of battling, which is better? My pumpkin bread, your pumpkin bread. All right, you're in Philly. You don't live there. Or even if you do live there, how do you end a great night? Come on. You got to go to Gino's or Pat's for the for fucking steak and cheeses, right? And I'm sure the people in Philly, oh, fuck both those places. You're a fucking tourist trap. You need to go to Uncle Fucky's over here. Well, whatever. For an out-of-town guy, that's what I did. So I go down there, and Fursey's going, so what should we do? Should we do Pat's? Or Geno's. And I'm like, well, fuck it. Why don't we go, uh, we'll get one of each. Then we'll cut them in half and we'll, we'll, you know, trade, mix and match, do a little surf and turf and see which one we like better. So, of course, we go, what we go to Pat's first and we order it. And it's just one giant fucking steak and cheese sub. And they don't have even have a plastic knife for you to cut it up. All they have is a spoon for, I don't know what, you get cheese fries or something. Um, so Virgie's got to tear it in half, and I go over to uh, – we're standing in line at Gino's. I'm eating half of one of uh, Pat's, right? I got one wit. 
is what we got. And, dude, it was fucking delicious. Fucking delicious. So then I go to the uh, Gino's place. Same deal. We ordered another one. And as I go up there, I, I know I, I'd been there before, but I never noticed the sign there on Gino's where it says, uh, he's got two signs. One says, I'm mad as hell. I want my country back. And it's a picture of the uh, the original owner. I really don't want to fuck this up. Joey Vento. And it's a picture of him basically on with a picture of just the lower 48. I love how he blows off Alaska and Hawaii. He wants his country back. And then below that, there's a picture that says, uh, uh, this is America when ordering speak English. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, man. That's like some old school Bronx tale, Archie Bunker shit. And... I saw it and I was like, it was, it was funny to me because there was this table of like five Latino people standing around speaking Spanish or whatever, eating the food. And I'm like, wow, that is a testament to how good your fucking food is where you can just like openly insult somebody like that. And um, well, I guess they spoke English too because they did order. I don't fucking know. I'm just saying that your food is so good that you could be like insulting that much, openly insulting and uh, – People still order it. So I looked it up, and there's this whole thing where this guy, Joey Vento's son, um, um, Joey Vento passed away, and uh, his son took over the business, and I guess it was this guy's dying wish to keep the Speak English sign at Geno still up there. I'll read you the article real quickly here. Um, It said, last week, uh, Eatery Philly ran a photo of rapper Buster Rhymes hanging out at Geno Steaks in South Philly. This was all well and good, but what really caught our interest was an update to the item explaining that the Speak English sign is still being proudly displayed at Geno's because it preserves, because its preservation was what late owner Joey Vento, Jesus Christ, I'm sorry guys, because its preservation was late owner Joey Vento's dying wish. Geno recently retained Neff Associates, the same public relations firm that began handling the Joe's Oh, yeah, the Joe's vs. Chink's racist cheesesteak drama. Oh, this is a PR firm. Neff PR director Kyle Flett explains the Geno's sign situation in an email today. Um, he says, as you know, Geno's is under new management since the passing of Joey Vento. Gino Vento, Joey's openly gay son, is the new owner and operator. And I think it's important to inform you that he does not share all of the polarizing views his father was famous for. I think it's also important for you to know that we have retained uh, Joe's stakes, blah, 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 blah. Whatever. I guess it was this guy's dying wish. His dad's dying wish was to keep it up there so his son sort of caught in the middle. Um, I don't know. It's actually an inter- almost like an interesting piece of history where they have like colored bathroom only where you just kind of see how far we've come yet haven't come that far. I don't know. It was, it was pretty, takes a lot to kind of shock me. I was just like, Jesus Christ. And then I felt like, well, fuck this place. I don't want to eat here. I'll just eat at the other place. And, um, I just heard, well, that's owned by the same family. I don't know. For the record, I like Pat's better on that night. 
So I, it might be one of those nights where any given night, they're, but they're both absolutely delicious. So then I had to look up this the Joe's versus Chinks racist cheesesteak drama. So uh, I look up this one. By the way, all of this shit is making me feel much better about being from the Boston area because we seem to get like other than the South, like when you talk about racist cities in the North, people always talk about Boston. And I guess there was a place that's now called like Joe's Steaks and whatever. Um, oh, Jesus. Where the fuck is the thing? Where's the article here? Okay. Philly is renaming a, a cheesesteak shop that used to be called Chinks. Um, all right. Philadelphia, capital city of the United States, is a is great at many things. It's great at being within a relatively short driving. Da, 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 da. Unfortunately, two topics it is yet to master are race relations and nuance, um, which is why its residents are freaking out that a Philly cheesesteak shop known since 1949 as Chink Steaks has just changed its name to Joe's Steaks and Soda Shop. Uh, Chinks was named for its original owner, whose name wasn't Chink, but who boy did he look like one, according to his grade school classmates. Um, the Philadelphia Inquirer notes that the late Samuel Chink Sherman, so some guy named Sam Sherman, had almond-shaped eyes, so everybody called him Chink. Uh, folks in the shop's neighborhood understand why someone somewhere at some point maybe could be could find the well-known racial slur inappropriate, but they stop just short of admitting that it actually is. And because nothing flavors meat like a couple of decades of racism, they they're pissed that chinks no longer exist. Um, here's a sampling of some of the best lines of complaints. Uh, back then, ethnic slurs slipped off the tongue as smoothly as melted American cheese. Um, Cracker Barrel hasn't had to change their name. I mean, that could be made into a racist thing. Um, others said the passing of chinks symbolized the neighborhood's decline. Uh, if the shop had been named with the slur against blacks, that would be offensive, said Terrell Jenkins, a 44-year-old African-American man, but Chink's, Chink was a nickname. It could have been a term of endearment. <laughs> See, that's the one thing that I've learned about travel. It's just people just give a shit about themselves. So there's an African-American guy. You'd think he'd have empathy. He doesn't give a fuck. It's not coming in his direction. So he's, ah, you know, it could have been a term of endearment. He sounds like a white dude at that point. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of uh, back in the day, one of those, you know, England, they have that stupid royalty, these kings and queens and duchess and dukes, and they just, all this pomp and circumstance, I guess they don't make any decisions over there. But God knows, I haven't really run, read up on it, so what the fuck do I know? But anyways, they had some sort of polo club over there, and there was some Middle Eastern guy who was a member, and I think he was one of the only Middle Eastern guys, everybody else was these you know, blue blood guys that all, you know, the incestuous fucking. So they all have weird ears and fucked up looking faces like Prince Charles, you know. And um, <laughs> their nickname for him was Sooty. They called him Sooty. So that got out. And the Pakistanian guy, whatever the hell his name, whatever ethnicity he was, he said like, oh, no, it was a term of endearment. I don't mind. I just love like that's such like a 
blue blood Rothschild level like sooty, you know, like the soot from the chimney from the giant fireplace in your fucking manor. You know, no one thinks about soot anymore. First of all, most houses don't even have fireplaces anymore. You can't even use them unless you buy an old one that's grandfathered in. You know, then they have these old fucking whatever, whatever the next style house up from a manor is. You know that one that they shoot it from the air and it looks like a public library except the grounds are so fucking gorgeous. All the hedgerows, to quote Led Zeppelin. If there's a something in your hedgerow... Um, so anyway, so it was just fascinating for me to read this, like, I don't know, it just, just reminded me, this was like 1950s level sort of racism, like, uh, like they're reading just shit and kind of being in that environment. I was surprised that there weren't some people with their hair greased back standing around a, like, burning trash can singing doo-wop. <laughs> Had a very Bronx tale sort of vibe to it. So, um, but having said that, those racist sons of bitches make some great food. They really do. And uh, I've only ate there one time, so I'm not going to pass judgment other than to say my experience that night. Pat's, Pat's got the leg up. All right? But that's a divisional rivalry. So they play each other twice in one season. So I got to go back and have another game down there. It was fucking delicious, and I don't regret a second of putting that poison into my body. The fucking bread was delicious. The cheese whiz, all of that toxic, horrific shit that my body is probably still trying to process and decide where it should put it in my body. Um, I'm telling you right now, I would do it again tonight. And I just had it two nights ago. It was fucking delicious. So thumbs up on the cuisine. Thumbs down on the ignorant thought. But uh, leaving the sign up, um, I definitely think the name of the place, if it's racist, it should, it, you should get rid of it. But there was something about leaving the sign up that, um, I don't know. To me, I looked at more as, it, as like a museum. Like this was the guy and he was beloved in the neighborhood, yet he thought this way. He had another, he had another sign that they actually took down. It said, real Americans don't press number two, which was a reference to, you know, if you'd like English, press one. A primo numero dos. You know, there's always this, the fucking uh, prima, whatever the fuck they say, uh, is the Spanish. That one to me was actually funny. I don't condone it or whatever, but it was at least it was at least clever sort of racism. I just love that whole philosophy. You know, give me back. I want my country back. And that's the same fucking guy that if a Native American came up, you know, and said, I want my country back. Like, you know, this guy would immediately go into some sort of, I would imagine, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I imagine he would go on some sort of fucking rant about how Native Americans were savages, you know, as we systematically fucking wiped them out like a bunch of fucking savages. So whatever. It was really interesting. It was delicious food. Okay. Let's, let's get to some, uh, let's get to some, uh, some more advertising. Then I got to get to the questions over there. All right, here we go. Let's see if I can improve on two screw-ups. Legal Zoom, everybody. There are two reasons, not one, but two reasons why now is the perfect time to start your own business. Reason number one, the economy is picking up, and the longer you wait, the longer you delay your potential success. Reason number two, 
Right now, you can, you can incorporate your business or form an LLC at LegalZoom.com for just $99. LegalZoom's online process guides you step-by-step and you get total customer support. It couldn't be much easier. LegalZoom provides self-help services at your specific direction and can connect you to an attorney, but they are not a law firm. So you have a pile of money. No, so you save a pile of money. That's four strokes against me. Get an extra discount, and you enter when you enter Burr in the referral box at checkout. I went into the water. Don't wait on the sidelines while others are taking charge of their futures. Now is the best time to get in the game and launch your business. Don't put this off. For incorporation, trademarks, patents, and more, just go to LegalZoom.com right now. Discount code BIRD. BIRD. That's LegalZoom.com, discount code BURR. Good Lord. That was like the shark when he blew the masters. That was terrible. If LegalZoom doesn't pay me this week, I understand. All right, let's see if I can go Nick Faldo on this one. Stamps.com, everyone. Postage meter companies used to have the monopoly on printing postage. They could charge you an arm and a leg to print postage from your own office. But those days are over. Now you can use Stamps.com instead. With Stamps.com, get all the benefits of a postage meter, but at a fraction of the cost. All you need is your computer, printer, and Stamps.com to get official U.S. postage for any letter or package, any class of mail. Plus, you'll never have to step inside a crowded post office again. Everything you would want to do at the post office, you can do right at home from your own desk. It's so convenient. I use Stamps.com to send out my posters, my DVDs, my T-shirts, whatever I'm whoring myself out with selling that week. And if I can figure out how to do it, someone as dumb as me, you can too. Right now, use my last name, Burr, B-U-R-R, for this special offer. No risk trial, plus a $110 bonus offer. It includes a digital scale and up to $55 free postage. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Burr. B-U-R-R, that's stamps.com, enter Burr. All right, that was only one screw-up. His last chance to try to win a major. Or they'll always say he could never win the big one. Vista Print, everyone. A business card says a lot about you and your business. Are you a hardworking landscaper? A hip and funky salon owner? A loyal dog walker? No matter who you are or what kind of business you have, Vistaprint.com has thousands of designs to say just what you want. And today, we just got word of a great offer on their best business cards. Get 250 of their premium cards for only 10 bucks. The shipping is on them too. I created my cards the other day, and I have to say I was impressed at how easy it was. First, you choose the design you want. Pick your industry. There are over 20. Or you select a style instead, like bold, conservative, modern, or retro. Whatever you want, they got it. They even have a personal um, and family section if you're looking to create a contact on a mommy card. Vistaprint has so many designs to choose from that you're bound to find one that says exactly what you want, just the way you want. I even stumbled across a henna tattoo card. These guys really think of everything. Once you find a card you like, the design process itself is super easy and fun. Add text, photos, or logos. You can even change colors, fonts, and move things around. You can be an artist. So again, that's 250 high-quality premium cards with shipping included. Just go to www.vistaprint.com. Click on the Hurtis on TV slash radio button in the upper right-hand corner and put in the promotional code BURR, B-U-R-R. 
As you check out, make sure you take a look at the other marketing products they offer, like postcards, flyers, brochures, and websites. They even can match, they even match your business cards. Oh, they can even match your business cards. Excuse me. Get 250 premium business cards for $10, including shipping. Just go to www.vistaprint.com. Click on the Heard Us on TV slash radio button in the upper right-hand corner and put in the promotional code BURR, B-U-R-R. Wow, that was brutal. I just really went off the rails. Um, okay, let's close that forever. Don't need to see that. Okay, on to the questions. Answer the question. Um, all right. Oh, by the way, for all you Alabama fans, congratulations, you fucking assholes. That really devastated me. Oh, we had you. I I really think if we scored that first touchdown, it would have been a different thing. You got to protect the fucking ball. You know, and then all of a sudden they just, the discipline just went out the window and then completely went off the rails. You know, and I just have to say Nick Saban just completely outclassed the way his players played and all that. And it's absolutely devastating, you fucking cunts. All right, there, you happy? Okay, should I say yes? Bill, I'm a 16-year-old virgin guy from Texas and really want to go balls deep in a snatch before college. Jesus Christ, dude. Rub one out before you text me next time or email me. Um, homecoming is in a week, and this girl who I talked to a lot last year doesn't have a date because her date didn't want to pay the 150 bucks. All right, you got yourself a wounded bird. Things are looking good so far. Uh, when this year started, we ha- we haven't talked and I've never texted her. I don't know where she texted me. I didn't even have her number. Immediately, I knew it was going to be about homecoming because it was all about people we were talking about uh, that we, we Oh, fuck. Because it was all people we were talking about that week. She asked me to go with, she asked me to go with her. But in a way, that made me think she was using me so that she doesn't go alone. Yeah, there is a bit of that. She's definitely desperate, you know? You're kind of like the third-string quarterback, and they both went down, so they're sticking you in there. So I know what you're saying. Is she going to let me throw the deep ball, or am I just going to have to go in there and take a fucking knee, right, or hand it off, go in the eye formation or the wishbone? Anyways, he said, there's a pretty good chance I would get laid if I went. I told her I think I, that I would think about it. Then she offered to pay for the mum and the food. What is the mum? Does she really want to go with me? Should I say yes? And the host hopes that I get to slam her cunt. You know, dude, I really can't figure you out. It's like you're acting like a virgin by not saying yes to this layup. And then you're just really talking about her in a really disrespectful way. This girl is an angel. All right? The fact that she's going to give it up to a fucking... 16-year-old virgin, show a little bit of respect. But you might be also, this might be your insecurity that you are a virgin, so you're trying to talk really aggressively about something that you might have a little bit of fear about. I have no idea. Look, this is what you should do. If you're going to go with this girl, be a fucking sweetheart. All right? Make her laugh. Fucking dance her around the dance floor. Have a great goddamn time. And if the opportunity presents itself, have at it. All right? But that's how you go into it. I mean, she's already paying for it. What kind of a fucking man? I mean, I guess you're a pimp at this point. Um, A pimp virgin, you don't see that very often. Whatever you're doing, it seems to be working. But I just have a little more respect for her. That's all I'm saying. All right, go in there, have a good time. All right? 
What's that? What is that? What's that John Madden speech that Joe Bartnick always quotes? Tonight, today will be the greatest day of your life, but only if you win. <laughs> so good luck, man. I hope you. I hope you win. All right, there you go. But be respectful. God damn it. All right, car purchase process. Hey there, Bill McRedbeard in balls. McRedbeard in balls. I like that. It's kind of like a law firm. Um, love the podcast and love the stand-up. Have tickets to see you in D.C. tonight. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show. I had a, I had a phenomenal time. Um, he said, my question is about your car purchase process. When you bought your Prius, did you do it in did you do it celebrity style and send one of your cronies with a Scrooge McDuck style money bag over oh to the dealership then have it delivered to your place or did you go in old old school and negotiate face to face? Were you one of those assholes who bicker over $100 or did you just buy the whole shebang and make some poor sap sales guy's day? I asked because I've been selling cars for 10 years. I find that the people who dicker over the smallest amount of money are usually the most miserable cunts during and after the sale, while the people who pay the most are the happiest customers, uh, um, happiest customers I have, and send me all their friends and family, uh, fellow ginger and sleazy car salesmen. Um, all right, so you own up to it that you're robbing those people. I tried to, uh, I tried to haggle over the price, and uh, I was buying the Prius when gas prices were like four, four something a gallon back in like 2007. So they couldn't keep those things on the lot. So I was just like, this is my offer. Take it or leave it. And they're like, well, we're going to leave it. And I'm like, I'm walking out. I'm out of here. And they're like, all right, see ya. And I needed a car and I was renting one. That was the thing. If I had another car, if I actually had a car that I could drive away with instead of a rental that was costing me money. So I just said, all right, fuck it. Um, I'll just pay, I'll just pay it and I'll go do some more stand up gigs. Um, but just personally speaking, if you can't knock any money off of the car, just cause you know that they are fucking you over. Um, you know, one of my buddies does it the best and he is also a salesman and he looks down on car salesmen. He looks at you guys like, like hack comedians as far as like being salesmen. He thinks you're the lowest of the low. Now, listen, that's not my thought. That's just his he just calls them up and says the car that he wants and the price that he's going to pay. And he says, I'm calling four other dealerships. Uh, you have till noon to get back to me. He does it something like that. And they get back to him and he gets it for the price that he wants because it's a guaranteed sale. He's like, I'm buying a car today. And these dealerships, they can't resist that. So I, I oversimplified it because I don't, I'm not totally, um, you know, informed on, I always forget how it goes down. So I can't intelligently present what the fuck it is that he does, but that's the way he does it. Um, but anyways, I'm actually, you know, thinking about, um, buying Nia a nice car. So if any car salesman out there could give me some tips and present the ins and outs about how much they do more. Cause I, you know, I've heard all that stuff like the sales slip on the side of the car, the car, the price up at the top is what the dealership pays and that the dealership doesn't pay for any of the options and that type of thing, which doesn't seem right to me. I feel like they must get a discount on the options. What is the discount? And I also know that they need to make money. So what's a good, let's just say if I'm going to go buy a $30,000 car, all right? And if I look at the, the sheet, it's, it came in at twenty two, 
or 24, just say 24, and it's got six grand worth of fucking options or something like that. I don't, I don't even know if those numbers make sense. If you're a car salesman, like, wh- wh- where should I be? Should I be in the middle of that? Should I be at 24? Um, where should I be? Let me know, and I'll read it on to other people. All right. So I guess, and to answer your question, um, I was the guy who just kind of paid. I'm not a miserable cunt as much as I sound like it. I'm actually a, a really uh, – I'm a pretty happy guy. But, you know, talking about how happy you are on fucking stage, I mean, is not really going to be funny. So if I talk about my frustrations and my fears and my shortcomings, you know, yeah, that, that's where the comedy is. All right? There you go. All right. That was a twofer. All right. Human farming. Billy Beer Balls. Um, have you heard of the concept of human farming? It really makes a lot of sense. Instead of primitive forms of slavery, the population works and, produ- and produces for the elite class. The quality of life is terrible because the ends to the means of working is really just to service a higher system you have no idea you're a part of. This video summarizes it really well. Uh, sleep well. So I actually went to go look at this thing, this human farming, and I understand what they're saying, but they, as always, you know, they don't seem to, well, I didn't watch the whole video, but it's like in the 13 minutes, are they really going to give me a solution? Um, and it also, first of all, the guy narrating it might be the most arrogant cunt I've ever heard in my life. I can't even, I'll click on it right now if you, if you want. You know, he's just like, you know, a lot of people might be confused. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Ah, Jesus Christ, I got to get through the Dodge Durango commercial here. 14 seconds. You know, he's basically going like, you know, some people get get confused and look at the government as it's this thing that's helping them out. Blah, 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 blah. Are you beginning to understand the cage that you were put in? Listen to this guy. And how you can finally be free. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. wait. Let me, let me, let me, let me get back to the beginning here. This is the story of your enslavement, how it came to be, and how you can finally be free. Like all animals, human beings want to dominate and exploit the resources around them. All right, so that's the tone this guy takes. Let's get a little bit further into this thing. Here we go. Occupation throughout history, and it is now reaching its destructive climax. Human society cannot be rationally understood until it is seen for what it is. A series of farms where human farmers own human livestock. Some people get confused. Oh, oh shit. I, I pulled it away there. Some people get confused. Here we go. Listen to this shit. Listen to this. Talking down to you. Some people get confused. Because governments provide health care and water and education and roads. And thus imagine that there is some benevolence at work. Nothing could be further from the reality. All right, so then he breaks it down, and then in the end he goes, Are you beginning to understand the cage that you were in? And he keeps going, Some people get confused. It's like, dude, I'm not fucking confused. All right, you arrogant cunt. You sound like you're up your own ass. You sound like you're sitting on top of the fucking pyramid. All right? 
You know what this, this type of shit does that it doesn't take into consideration? It doesn't take into consideration mouth-breathing fucking morons. That whole philosophy that why does this guy have this much and this guy has this much, that it's always the rich guy is evil and manipulative and undeserving. Now, I know this is shocking to hear from me the way I go off on bankers, but I'm really going off on the system of banking when I'm doing that. But, like, you know, don't you guys have some fucking friends that, you know, they go to work, but they, they have no direction, they have no plan, and they just sit around bitch moaning, complaining about their fucking life, you know? And they feel like they, they have, like, this sense of entitlement that they just fucking deserve shit because, well, why should this guy be rich and I shouldn't? It's cause, well, maybe because he's smarter than you. Maybe he busted his fucking ass. Maybe you sit around smoking fucking weed or boozing it up all day. Like there's no personal responsibility. That's what I don't like about this thing. There's no, like, you know, it's just 100% these people who are running shit are 100% fucking evil. And that all these people who are enslaved are all good people. Now, I'm not saying that, you know. There aren't absolutely brilliant fucking people, but because of their lot in life, they ended up in a sweatshop in El Salvador. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is everybody in that sweatshop, you know, is not a fucking I, I don't know what. It's not is you know, there's some mouth breathing morons in there. This is that's a bad example because I'm I'm not condoning sweatshop labor either. But I'm just saying, go to a fucking sporting event like I did and just be stone sober. And just sit around and look at the fucking people. Okay? Look at this shit they're eating. Look at this shit they're drinking. Look at their behavior. Look how their clothes are hanging off their fat fucking asses. And I know the food supply is poisoned. And I know that there's a bunch of fucking lies and all that type of shit. But is there any effort on the part of that individual to try to squeegee in front of their fucking eyes? Or do they just accept it? And if you do just accept it, you know, then how do I feel bad for you? Okay? Now, I haven't said that. You know, racism, all that stuff about, you know, you're a third world country. I don't condone any of that shit. I don't condone sweatshop labor. I don't condone, I, you know, you should pay fucking people and they should, you know, they should, they should be able to live comfortably. All right? Obviously, I think that. I don't condone that Geno steak shit. Hey, this is America. Speak fucking English. I don't condone any of that type of shit. But I don't. I don't also go to that so liberal where it's just like, oh, look at that drug dealer. If he had the same opportunities I had, why he would be a doctor or a lawyer? It's like, well, why wouldn't he work at Enron or be a piece of shit banker? Why wouldn't he continue his scumbaggery? Why, when he becomes in my situation, does he then become an angel? I grew up in a suburb. There was cul-de-sacs in my neighborhood. I sucked at math. <laughs> I didn't become a doctor or a lawyer. I tried to. I was too fucking stupid. So I don't go into that pie in the sky, and I just can't get past this guy's fucking pregnant pauses. Some people are confused. It's like, dude, maybe you're fucking confused. Do you have a better idea? Do you have a better fucking system? I'm sure you do, and you, let me guess, in your fantasy that you don't have to fucking put to a test so it's never, so it can't be criticized because it's not been implemented, let me guess, it all works out. We're all fucking arm in arm, and racism goes away, and everybody has a nice pair of fucking loafers as they walk out 
to get their newspaper that was delivered by a paper boy who now makes 80 grand a year, right? I don't fucking know. Whatever. Watch it now that you're, you're polluted with my fucking thought on it. Some people are confused. Confused. Some people look at the government and think that there's some sort of benevolence going on. Just the fact that he uses benevolence, you know, making me feel stupid. What does benevolent mean? Is that some sort of fucking uh, I'm doing something? for You know what? I should look it up. Let's look it up. B-E-N-B-N-E-V-O-L. Oh, Jesus. It just disappeared after the V. It gave up on me. Like, well, I can't be trying to see it. He can't be trying to spell that word. Um. Okay. Benevolence. Let's go with the, the, the Webster's Dictionary. A disposition to do good, an act of kindness, a generous gift, a compulsory le- levy by certain English kings with no authority than the claim of prerogative. Well, Jesus, it takes a left turn on definition number three, doesn't it? All right, so I think he's using it in the first or second. A right, disposition to do good. Um, I don't fucking, who the fuck knows, all right? Anyways, let's, let's move on here before we try and solve the world's problems. You can go ahead and watch it if you want. All right, naked picture situation. A Sports Illustrated. I like that one. It wasn't really insulting. Um, oh, by the way, the Celtics were 0-4 before they won their first game, so I immediately started looking at the draft for next year, and which I haven't done in the NBA, I think, ever, being a hockey guy. And I have to tell you, I was absolutely fucking shocked to see that the top 10 draft picks projected next year, eight of them are freshmen. Eight out of 10 are freshmen, and the other two are sophomores. Like, it's such a tragedy that these guys can come out early. It just, I'm being selfish as a sports fan because I know that they have, you know, a lot of people, like, it's a money situation. They got to come out, they come from a poor family, or just a logical thing where, I'm going to risk blowing out my knee playing ball for free, or I can go to the NBA now and get a million dollars. I know it's a no-brainer. But, you know, just back in the day, he got to watch four years, you know, of a Patrick Ewan or a Ralph Sampson, Akeem Olajuwon. You saw those big men, like, their, their college careers overlapping each other and the next great ones, and you're thinking, oh, wow, maybe he can win a championship by the time he's a senior or something like that. And just to see, like... The fact that the junior and senior classes have just been so raided by the NBA draft that there's not a junior or a senior even projected in the top 10. And you're basically going to draft a fucking teenager to try to turn the Boston Celtics around. By the way, I'm ordering the NBA package. I'm I'm like, this is when I step up as a fan. Not when they're good. Not when they buy a title. But when they suck a bag of fucking dicks. That's when I'm going to sit there and watch them rise up from the ashes. Okay, naked picture situation. Hey, Bill, Bill, uh, hey, Sports Illustrated. I'm in need of some advice, sir. Um, I have a naked picture situation on my hands, although it may not necessarily be what you're thinking. Well, it's either you or your girlfriend, I would guess. Uh, he goes, so there's this girl, this lady that went to the same graduate school as me, and this girl was a real cunt. Dude. Don't do this. If you have a naked picture of her, don't do it. He goes, we're talking pure evil. She was in school to be a producer, and she managed to alienate and demean every single person that ever worked with her. She was manipulative and awful to everyone. Oh, sounds like she's going to have a successful career. She gets into corporate America. All I'm hearing here is corner office. Um, 
She was manipulative and awful to everyone, even her boyfriend, who she emasculated constantly, even in front of his friends. Well, that's on him. Walk out the door. What's she going to do? Give you a suplex? Go fuck yourself. I got a hand and a world full of pussy. I don't need you anymore, lady. Um, now, before I continue, I should probably say that I realized almost immediately how evil this girl was. So I always kept my distance and never associated with her in any way uh, so that this isn't personal. Now, let's get to the issue at hand. Okay, so he's painted her as completely evil, and he's painted himself as being this even-keeled, rational person. I like this. It's almost as though he wrote the email. Um, Now, let's get to the issue at hand. I happened to be perusing the Internet one day in the manner that all men do. Oh, aren't you an eloquent little cunt? Huh? You mean looking at fucking porn? Look at you dancing around this. I'm, you know, I'm starting to think that this woman is innocent and you're actually the evil person as you continue to try to paint yourself as a fucking hero who's a member of a polo club. You're rubbing one out, you filthy fucking animal. Uh, I'm not judging you. I do it too. Happily. Big grin on my face. Waving at the government and as, as I rub one out. As I, as I actually, as I bust a nut, I say into the camera that I can't see that's watching me, it's okay, I didn't want to run for office anyways. I say that as I have an orga- as I have a uh, orgasm. I can't even talk this week. Um, anyways, he said in the manner that all men do, and I happened to come across some naked selfies that this girl took on one of those tumblers devoted to uh, that kind of thing. If you're curious, now my question is: without trying to sound like an evil scumbag, uh, probably too late. Should I do anything with them? I could probably give a lot of closure and satisfaction by sending them out to the people she's fucked over in the past. Wait, is, is it's this girl? Oh, that this girl took. Oh, okay. Um, wow. So she treats people like that during the day. And at night she takes naked selfies of herself. Um, all right. I know this girl. I know this kind of girl. All right. Okay. Here we go. Let's let's just try to pick this back up. This this girl, she's she's like uh yeah, she's like that fucking Wall Street guy that's stealing money and at night needs to go to a hooker with a fucking orange ball in his mouth. Needs, so I I think this girl is uh, oh maybe well maybe this is like a narcissistic thing. Is she taking pictures of herself like she's just this piece of meat or is she trying to look hot? The human fucking psyche, man, it's just, it's fucking insane. You know? And I'm not judging either, because I'm out of my fucking mind, too. All right, let's, let's continue here. On one of those, this is a really great email. There's so many fucking levels to this. You guys are, I can't tell who's out of their mind here. Her, or, or you're like, you, or you're out of your mind. And this girl actually shot you down because you want to take her out for a cup of coffee. Um... Should I do anything with them? I could probably give a lot of closure and satisfaction by sending them out to the people she's fucked over in the past. To be clear, I would never do this with someone's pictures that were meant privately for me. But these were already posted publicly online by her or someone else. Should I anonymously send out a link to people or just kind of laugh quietly to myself about the whole thing and keep it under wraps? Any advice would be appreciated. Well, what you're doing as far as like justifying your your role in this if you were to do it that they were already up there is kind of like the drug dealer saying like well if i didn't sell the drugs someone else would um 
so I think you shouldn't do anything. And I don't think, I don't know why, um, I don't know why, like, what am I trying to say here? Like, what what do you think is funny about them? I mean, what is the big deal if somebody wants to put some naked photos of themselves up there? They like themselves. They think they look good. I don't understand why it's considered, like, nudity and that type of thing is considered that way. Um, I mean, if she's doing a porno, I can see then why she can't get a fucking job at Johnson & Johnson. But, you know, she's got some naked photos. Who gives a fuck? She's probably the best shape of her life you know i mean I personally i wouldn't do it oh, who the fuck wants to look at me naked jesus what the fuck that actually disgusted me <laughs> so anyways um you know what dude don't do that man you're just gonna you're getting drawn into her fucking world okay that if that woman is the way you painted her out to be she has a bunch of issues and the best kind of guy she's ever going to attract is some ballless fucking spineless jackass that she's not going to respect um if i had to guess she's a woman who needs a guy to tell her what's what and fucking uh you know put a hurting on her you know in the bedroom she needs to be face down in the pillows being told what the fuck to do she's got some sort of fucking issue man but you know just be happy you're not going to work for her she's out of your life Okay, and she's, you know, and if she walks around treating people like that, she's never going to really develop um, lasting relationships, meaningful relationships. Uh, She's not going to have people in her life that would step out in front of a bus for, you know, so she's never going to get the full human experience. I, I feel like that is enough of a punishment. You don't need to go in there and like that. That's really like a uh I don't know, vengeance thing is very seventh grade girl, and I think you're above that. Just, you know, just leave him alone and continue to jerk off to him, you fucking creep. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you. I would too. I'm not judging you. Welcome. Welcome to my level. All right. French Revolution and bankers. Uh, Hi there, Billy Bandwagon. I've been a fan of the Monday morning podcast for a while now, and you were on a crap. You were on the Crab Feet podcast. Oh, yeah, with Jay Lawson on the All Things Comedy Network, everybody. He said it reminded me of something. Pre-Revolution France was almost identical to the way the U.S. is now. Oh, God, I hate when people keep predicting the demise of this country like they're giving us some sort of insight, like people in this country can't see it coming. All right? I'm not saying every mouth-breathing moron sees it coming. But, you know, anybody who has any sort of intelligence. We see it coming, okay? All right there, Mr. fucking rubbing your goddamn chin. Um, actually, he's probably an American too. Um, all right, France in 1787 had grinding poverty, tax inequality, and was nearly bankrupt from the Seven Years' War. Ugh, and then he writes, familiar, question mark. Oh, I'm not even going to read this fucking thing. You're already so up your own ass. Wow, I never looked at it that way. Wait, does history repeat itself? Gee, you're really on to something here, sir. Good fucking Lord. You know what's funny about this type of shit? Is this probably isn't even this person's thought. They're probably just regurgitating something else that they've read from a website, which I do all the fucking time. I do the exact same thing you're doing here, sir, except I don't go, familiar? Some some people are confused. 
Why can't people just present a fucking an, an opinion without like patting themselves on the back about how fucking smart they are all the time? You know, you're a fucking moron just like me. Okay, I'm gonna read this and I'm gonna I'm gonna skip over. Familiar? Does that ring a bell? Pot calling the kettle. <laughs> ah, with your fucking smoking jacket, you cunt. All right, here we go. Jesus fucking Christ. All right. He goes, familiar? It should be. The modern U.S. actually has worse wealth and tax inequality than 1787 France and even pre-fall of Rome. Dude, this is all old shit. I've already heard this theory a zillion times before you present it. And, you know, and I'm not going to fucking read this and get all fucking depressed because I understand this. This is why I got out of conspiracy theory and just got a dog and I'm sitting here watching the bread and circus of fucking sports like I never have before because there's no way out of this. Rather than present this shit to me, I want you to write back to me and give me your solution. You give me the fucking solution rather than pointing out the fucking obvious as you rub your goddamn chin. All right? Jesus fucking Christ. All right, sorry. I was having such a great goddamn day. Jeez, we're an hour and a half in here. I'm a long-winded son of a bitch this week. All right, uplifting documentaries. Couldn't come soon enough on the podcast. Hey there, Billy boy. Love the podcast and all your specials. Can't wait to see you in Dublin in a few weeks. You're a good man. Tell all those other Irish cunts to come out and see this German-Irish cunt. We'll all drink some fucking Bushmills afterwards. What do you say? And Irish eyes are laughing. Billy Redface is bright and gay. Um, I got a hot woman documentary for you. Since Blackfish and Dirty Wars might have got you down a bit. I appreciate that. People, I love when you send the documentaries that are eye-opening and make me feel like I want to kill myself. But also, every once in a while, you got to give me a little sugar. Um, so he goes, they might have got you down a little bit. Here's some uplifting stuff. It's called The Pipe. And it's about a tiny village um, in, the, in the west coast of Ireland taking on a massive oil corporation and winning. Oh, I love it already, even if it isn't true. I love it. Um, it focuses on the community's refusal to have a dangerous pipeline running through their village. It shows the vicious brutality of the cops against the protesters, and in particular, five men who go so, who go so far as to serve time in prison to get justice. Dude, those guys are saints. That's when you are committed to a cause, all right? And that's when, you know, they should make a movie about you. And then fucking actors who have personal trainers and microbiotic diets, you know, show up with abs and get to play you and your life story, that William Wallace shit, you know? Five men who go so so far as to serve time in prison to get justice. That's that's fucking, you know, they don't make they don't make men like that anymore. Well, I guess they do. They made five of them on the West Coast of Ireland. God bless them. For once, the people win. And as a recent development in the case has seen the Shell Oil Company have lost their license for work on the West Coast of Ireland. I'm watching that today. Today. Here's the link. It's up on YouTube, everybody. You should check that out. It's called The Pipe. And another One for the full documentary. Oh, I guess, okay, this is the link for the trailer. It's on YouTube, but if you want to watch the full thing, we'll we'll have these links. Um, If for some reason you don't, you can't, if you go to surf for shit, you can't find it like I always do. It's called www. 
filmsforaction.org slash watch slash the underscore pipe underscore 2010 slash again. Those are all backslashes, by the way. That is a backslash, right? Yeah, backslash. All right. All right. That's the podcast for this week, everybody. Um, I want to thank everybody who came out to my shows this weekend in D.C., New York, and Philadelphia. It was just, it was fucking, I'm going to use the word magical. There, I said it. At the risk of everybody, you know, coming at me in a homophobic way. I don't give a shit. I don't, I like the twinkle toes. So come at me that way. I don't give a fuck. All right. It was a magical weekend. I had a great time. And you know what? It's even going to get more. There's going to be even more fairy dust on my career this weekend. The final leg of the Billy Red State Tour. All right. Um, I am playing in uh, Deadwood, South Dakota, November 15th, November 16th. I'm at the Brady Theater in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then I'm wrapping it up at the Orpheum Theater in Wichita, Kansas. I will be coming out, taking pictures and signing shit and all that. I apologize to people who came out this weekend um, to the earlier shows. Um, a couple of nights I had early shows, and I can't go out there because it slows shit down, and then I get in trouble with the union because they have to go dark, so I, I can't go out there and, and load the other crowd in. So I really feel bad about that because I actually really enjoy going out and saying hello to people. So my apologies to uh, people on the first show of um, in Philly and in New York. Um, and the second show of the beacon, I actually came out there late because, uh, I had a lot of friends and shit coming up there. So I, I got some guilt about that, but all right, the Deadwood show, the Oklahoma and Wichita, I'm coming out after all those shows and, uh, whatever you want to do, pictures, autographs, whatever you want to do. I really appreciate everybody coming out. It's been a hell of a fucking year. And, uh, and there you go. And then I got one more gig, Southern Connecticut state university in New Haven, Connecticut on November 23rd. And and after that, I got one last giant tour, and that's when I do the European tour, and I'm going to fucking do my best to fucking murder when I go over there. Um, I'm really – I'm amped up for these shows, man. I got to finish strong. And then the last one, the Wiltern Theater in Los Angeles, my home city here, and it's going to be me and the entire Rose Bowl – Deus is going to be there, all right? The Ocean's Eleven of the Rose Bowl. Everybody is going to be there. It's going to be me, Joe Bartnick, Jason Lawhead, and Andrew Themelis. That's it. The four horsemen of the fucking Rose Bowl. We're all going to be there all doing stand-up at the Wiltern Theater to bring in the new year. You know, we'll be smoking cigars, drinking one quick thing of scotch before we go home and go to bed and then go to see the granddaddy of them all the next day. It's going to be a hell of a fucking night. That's going to be an unbelievable fucking night. I'm calling it right now. If you ever want to see the fucking beautiful knuckleheads that I hang out, you can see, hang out with, you know, I'm telling you, go to that show. All right, I'm done with that. Hyping my own shit. Here's the final thing here. Uh, now that the show's over, don't forget to sign up for your free trial of Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus lets you binge on thousands of hit shows anytime, anywhere on your TV, PC, smartphone, or tablet. Support this podcast and get an extended free trial of Hulu Plus when you go to the podcast page at BillBird.com and click on the Hulu Plus banner. Or go to HuluPlus.com slash Bill. That's HuluPlus.com slash Bill. Okay, that's the podcast for this week. 
Have an excellent week. Good luck. God bless. Go fuck yourselves. And I'll see you out there on the road.